Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 134 presented by CosmicDG. Dot com. Check them out over at Cosmic DG. Check out all the great things that go along with that. Running tournaments for tournament directors. It's a way to get paid. Matt, I think you are wearing one of their hats that they also probably have up Ooh. on that site. And there's another one waiting for me at Maple Hill. They shipped the whole mm-hmm. bunch there and they said, Matt, we're going to hold them for you. Go right, get guys. it. You know what? I just forgot. It's actually to- in my car. <laughs> I'm just going to say I forgot to get it, Ben. Yeah. To my car. Uh, intern Ben's with us as always, everybody. And Evan Kearns. Welcome, Evan. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How are y'all doing? Good. You know, work days and all that. I'm sure we all know the feeling, but we're here to talk disc golf. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, No promises, everybody, but Gannon Burr um, loves our show and he wants to come on. If you remember the last time or two times, I don't know. He's been on a handful of times through the mountains or the hills of what, Texas? There's no mountains in Texas. It was something like that. And every time they'd go down a hill, they'd cut out and he'd join so many times. Um, he just texted me and said, uh-oh, we're in the mountains of, uh, what, South Carolina? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. Going to um, Champions Cup. Anyways, it may or may not work out is my point. Don't hold your breath. We're not holding ours, although he's going to give it a go. So we'll try that in about 20 minutes uh, or maybe push it back an hour. We'll see. But that's tonight's uh, interview if it happens. Otherwise... A few other interviews we had tried to line up also weren't working. So we're going to be topic heavy tonight, which actually lends itself to the upcoming week of the Champions Cup. So mm-hmm. Nick, Evan, intern Ben, Hello. Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge, the visuals. Just talk to me about the visuals. What did you think of that? Uh, I mean, it looked like an immaculate course the property in and of itself like they were saying in commentary looked very much like a destination place for everyone to want to go to check it out if you're you know want to take a weekend trip disc golfing wise i think they have cabins on the property um i heard it's in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of north carolina on the western northwest side of it but uh yeah the property in and of itself looked awesome i could do away with massively elevated baskets but that's going to be i'm sure what we talk about in the next few minutes. yeah we're just talking about aesthetics yeah. what, what'd you think evan i i, I you texted a little bit want to tell everybody what you thought yeah i mean to set the baseline this course is amazing uh like nick was saying the mountains the boulders apparently came from like thunderstorms that rolled down the hill uh, I always thought they got moved by glaciers, but I don't know. The more you know. Uh, but the creek on this property, I might go out on a limb and say that's the best creek we see in all of disc golf. You know, maybe borderline river. <laughs> I mean, um, with how the weather is uh, in springtime with the rushing river, it it was beautiful. And they had a lot of holes that used the creek really, really well. Uh, and the property as a whole looked fantastic. It's a converted ball golf course. If you did not know that, uh, if you watched the coverage, I'm sure you could tell. Uh, but it's a great property that I think overall has done a really good job turning into a spectacular disc golf course. They have three courses on the property, I believe, two that were used, one for MPO, one for FPO, and then they had a third. Uh, I think it was a more of a pitch and putt beginner course that they used for a warm-up area for the players. Very, very cool. This is what we dream of. This is what we want disc golf to get to, uh, and we've seen it. And like Nick said, we're going to talk about a few of the things that we wish they did better, but 
I will at least say I I set the baseline that it is so good that it's not a complaint, but I do want them to strive to be the best course possible because this course has the possibility to be the number one. I was just going to say, Evan, you said it seems pretty obvious or you could probably tell it was a ball golf course previously. And I'm just going to tell you without having known that I would not have instinctually said that. Like, I mean, yes, there are indicators, but in a general sense, the property shapes up wonderfully for disc golf. Uh, Ben, did you get to watch it at all? Uh, yes, indeed. I did get to watch it. Um, I watched a good amount of the last round mostly and with the lightning delay, that was unfortunate, but I'm glad they got to finish and cause, because we got a new winner. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so without spoiling Evan, take it away without spoiling no i am going to spoil <laughs> i'm going to say it right now uh well we mentioned get is trying to get on the show and that's because he did indeed uh, win he won from the chase card we also saw kristen tatar take it home uh from the lead card in fpo uh she was leading well uh leading by a lot going into the final round i don't know where i was going with that and then went on to win by nine strokes that's tied for the second highest silver margin of victory uh ever and Kristen Tatar's best silver margin victory ever, not her best uh, ever from all tour events, but from silver indeed. Uh, getting back to Gannon Burr, he was on the chase car going into the final round. He takes it over Bradley Williams, who was leading going into the final round. And I think a lot of people will have questions on how he played the last two holes. He was down a few strokes, you know, on a different card than Gannon Burr. So the scores were, you know, kind of changing as holes were finished out, but he played it very conservatively on both 17 and 18 while a torrential downpour started coming down on the course ganenberg was in the clubhouse the rain just let loose uh, and bradley decided to play it safe if you did not watch the coverage 17 and 18 were brutal holes uh oh brutal to score i should yes. say uh, <laughs> um the ob very close to the basket on 17 and then 18 played as a stroke and distance like sliver of an island that you had to get to uh and both times bradley played it very safe people were trying to guess his game and i don't think we still know to this day what his game plan was going into those last two holes if he was going for the win if he was going for position if he thought it wasn't worth going for the win so he'd rather get solo second there will be a lot of questions there that you know maybe we'll dive into or we'll hear about in the future um other notable finishes calvin heimberg finishes fifth Fourth, sorry, he finished fourth, fourth. excuse me. Uh, he misses the podium, but does secure a top five finish. That makes eight straight top five finishes for Calvin Heimberg. That's the best top five streak in MPO on tour since Calvin Heimberg did so a few <laughs> years back. Uh, a 12 uh, event streak that he had famously uh, uh, just a couple years back, as I was saying. Uh, Isaac Robinson rounded out the top five with. Kyle Klein also on the podium. I skipped over him. I'm all over the place today. Wild tournament. Uh, in FPO, uh, Sarah Hokum takes down number uh, the second spot, but Hannah Wynn, we talked about her last week. We were trying mm-hmm. to pronounce her name, uh, and we think we settled on it, but she gets her first ever Disc Golf Pro Tour podium uh, with this finish at Blue Ridge. Woo. Yeah, and she she was lined up. <laughs> all seriousness like we have these conversations back and forth with the players and we try to get you know interesting storylines and good moments and lined up and then the reality of their their location of where they're staying has no wi-fi no cell service and so that's what it is so 
that's that's that. Yeah. But congratulations to her. That was exciting to see for sure. One last thing. I know we were just talking about Calvin Heinberg a little bit, and Evan, you can fact fact check me if I am wrong, but Calvin at the moment is tied for being the highest rated player in the world. And I know we don't talk about ratings too much. We don't. We haven't dived deep into them in a hot minute. But I would assume this is probably the first time ever that Calvin Heinberg is tied for the number one spot in the ratings wise at 1046 right now. Uh, that is excluding Manubu Kajiyama, I'm assuming. I just went on PDGA and I didn't see his name pop up. Is he the highest rated? I I know there's always things about what year you choose. If I just go to the players, I see. When I'm looking at it right now, there's he's actually at 1046. Yeah, Manabu's at 1051. There's also another player with an expired membership. Why do so I they see don't Manibu? show the player rating, but should be higher. Uh, Matthew Kelly. Uh, I feel like I I feel like I mentioned his name like a couple months back when we were talking about Manabu jumping up to number one. Um, but yeah, you can say highest active member in the United States if you want, but it is a little tricky. Uh, of course, I mean, everyone will have their thoughts on player, uh, player yeah. ratings. Manabu doesn't even pop up right now for me uh if i go oh, to pdga pdga.com slash players that's where i'm finding it yeah no we're where i'm on it i just went onto the statistics and clicked rating go to the top of it and i have paul and calvin ricky eagle gannon but i have no filters on but when i look up monobu it does say he's 1051 so yeah who knows so, anyways so, so everybody you... take what i just said and completely erase it from your memories how about that <laughs> we'll, we'll Te- bring up the topic again again later nick and you can look smart yeah. Teach, teaching moment here for Nick and anyone else looking at this. If you had a PDGA player statistics, those are by year. So it auto selects 2023. I would assume Manabu has not played an event in 2023. So he does not appear He's on that list. Played one event. Well, then I don't know why he comes <laughs> on the list. So I have no on? answers. <laughs> yeah, but, 2023. He's played. Oh, all right. Never mind. It was the National Doubles Championships. Yeah, okay, that makes okay. sense. All right. Yeah, so all right. We're good. Manabu's the highest rated player in the world. But, but hey, I'll go Love for for something that I do know about. Uh, but the Statmando official rankings, we have a new number one in the world. Uh, again, it's a twenty-four month ranking system. Uh, I posted a lot about it on social media lately to uh, kind of clarify between this and a power rankings. So this is a, a stable, long-term ranking system. Calvin Heinberg. I would say finally moved up to number one. People have been asking for him to be number one for a long time and not that we choose when he becomes number one. It's all an algorithm. (laughs) Uh, But he jumps into number one for the first time ever in his career and he becomes the first player to be number one in the world besides Paul McBeth or Ricky Wysocki in over a decade. Will Schustrick was the last player besides those two to be number one in the world and it was just uh, probably a March of 2023, uh, 2013, excuse me. It was week mm-hmm. 11, I want to say, but it was early 2020, early. I keep on saying it early 2013, excuse me. Uh, it was so long ago that I can barely say that a year. Is this stat Mando rankings? Yeah, it's our official rankings. Right. So it's the okay. whole entire world rankings, all PDG events. It uses field strength, not a uh, field of strength, <laughs> but field strength, uh, that metric to determine it. It's based off of uh, how, traditional golf does it where you know your the strength of the field matters and then you take a certain number of events and it just takes your top we do top 20 for the past uh, 52 months with degradation so the past 13 weeks are worth 100 percent, and then every week after it drops off around one percent it's a little bit less it's like 0.91 to round out to 104 total weeks as so, in two years yeah the that's that's cool i love ranking systems because they are 
Um, sorry, Gannon's texting me. <laughs> um, they are not subjective, or they are a little bit because you have a group deciding on how this is decided. But yeah, they're built subjectively. Yes. I will say that like yes. every ranking is built subjectively. Yes. Um, so when you said the first time in his career, this is what I'm thinking. You said for the first time in Calvin's career is number one. I'm thinking, well, there's probably a ranking system that had him number one somewhere else. But for the first time since Statmando's ranking system, is that what you meant? Or did you mean that in the larger yeah. sense? No, Statmando's ranking system. Okay. I'm, you uh, just doesn't show the the week by week, so I can't go back and grab it. Right. Um, and then I'm not sure, I, I would doubt he's led the pdg a u.s tour ranking system before right he has led our power rankings before he he was the reigning leader and then ganabert took it over this week uh and that's a, a 15 week system that we use we have two mm -hmm. systems a 104 week system two years 24 months and we have a 15 week system which is uh like almost four months and and for that your most recent week's worth 100 percent, and then it drops five percent every week after uh and it counts your top five events plus any majors within that time span i don't know so I kind of feel like Calvin's starting to slip a little bit. I mean, missing oh. the podium. <laughs> he needs some inspiration. Calvin, I believe in you. I believe in you. Uh, Champions Cup, yeah. you know who my pick is? Calvin Heimberg. We're getting Calvin that. Heimberg. We're not doing them yet. We'll do that later. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Got me high. Right. Let's do it. Gannon's asking to come on in 45 minutes. Hopefully that's a sign of maybe it will be an opportunity that yeah. he can do it. So we're saying, yes, I'm not doing this to Why lead you along. No. I could just, just show you the text. No. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. No, we can't. Like, we who can't are you? Again. Yeah, text him back. Who, wh why are you texting? Intern Ben said, who are you? And he said, Gannon Bear. And you said, okay. <laughs> side, side note. Intern Ben gets, you know, recognized as Intern Ben, Simon's vlog, all yes. over, everywhere. Intern Ben, everybody, right? And it's just, it's fun for us that he's recognized in that way. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. The kid uh, with the minion pound bag. Yeah, the minion pound bag. All that stuff's happening now. But Ben... What did someone message you this week in a, a voice, an audio message? So I'm just sitting on my couch, just like minding my business, minding my day. <laughs> and I just get a random Facebook voice message. And this is what it is. Gannonbear. <laughs> he doesn't, you don't know the guy. No, I don't know the guy. Actually, I met him yesterday. Okay, you met he him yesterday. He was randomly a maple and he came out and said, Matteo. I was like, yeah, it's you. But yeah. He but just randomly out said of that nowhere. Yeah. No context. And I laughed out loud. It was very funny. So we've done it again. We're a trendsetter here on the Nick and Matt show. People start calling Gannon Burt like that. When you see him go, Gannon Burr, you know, um, we'll do the same. Make it a thing. Gannon Burr. Gannon Burr. Nice. All right. Yeah. Gannon Burr. <laughs> that, was like, that was like a goat. Okay. Um, so did we cut off your recap or was that pretty? That was it, right? We talked FPO a little uh, bit. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Okay. I mean, we could get into uh, more and more details. I mean, uh, of note, I was just uh, one of the few players that I have show up on my top 10, no matter what, or uh, top 10 plus any other players, no matter what, is James Conrad, who finished 58th at this event. He did cash. Uh, we cash. talked to. Yeah, we talked about him uh, a couple weeks, or was it last episode, about how he had two uh, straight missed cash events, was dropped off that elite major cash streak. He does hop back on cash, uh, the cash streak, but very, you said last cash, Nick. Um, pretty surprising. Going into Champions Cup Monday qualifying, which we could get into too, we could recap that. Yeah. Uh, he ends up snagging one of those top eight spots. I 
I don't think he finished in the top spot. Of course, it doesn't matter whether he did finish top spot. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he was looking very, very good. There's a lot of players in the mix. Uh, I'll have to pull it up real quick. I, I have it in one of my tabs. Um, yeah, he finished seven down, got the number one spot. Do we want to talk about Monday qualifying right be, now? Okay, before absolutely. we jump there, before we jump there, I do want to shout out because I've been following the journey for a long time. I've talked about it on here over the years. Um, I had an organization that we started called Kids Disc Golf. There is a 13-year-old just turned 13 who was at Blue Ridge. And after round one, he was sitting in like, I want to say it was 19th, 16th place. I think it was 19th. 19th. With a minus two, which you know that was a good round. And he's 13. Yeah, it was like 1040 rated. Yeah, 13. And he was, a, a, granted, he, he was a, a first round players like James Conrad, uh, Chris Dickerson. It, you know the list could go on. Vino, Nicholas Antila. You could just go on and on. Um, the kid has the skill. Congratulations to him. His first ever Disc Golf Pro Tour event. To come out that way, it didn't finish the way that maybe he had dreams of finishing, but he didn't want to come in last, and he accomplished that. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a really tough course. Congratulations to him. Wyatt Mahoney, everybody. Follow that guy. He's doing great things out there. Um, all right. So, yeah, I mean, we can. We have got a lot of topics. So let's let's move. Yeah, let's go over. Let's talk about um, not like our picks for the Champions Cup, but let's talk about, yeah, the play in here. What happened? Who didn't make it? Who did make it? To the Champions Cup. Yeah, so there's this is the wait list, and it was notable because a lot of big names were on this wait list. There, there will be some talks about you know a the players, big names. the players not doing a good job registering, or the PDGA not doing a good job uh, letting the players know that registration was open. I, I don't really want to get into that personally. You guys can hop on that Mm-mm. train if you want. But there were 20 players in MPO going for the Monday qualification to get eight spots there were five fpo uh women going for four spots I'll, I'll clear that up real quick all five actually got in because there ended up being one drop so four out of the five did qualify and then the fifth one leason and Ginny, did get in anyways because another player had to drop so uh as exciting as that that qualification was it ended up not meaning anything uh on the mpo side uh we saw the people who qualified, James Conrad, Chandler Fry, Aaron Gossage, Nate Perkins, Matt Dollar, Dylan Horse, Tim Barham, Andrew Presnell, uh, all all very uh, good players and a lot of notable names there, including James Conrad, World Championship and USDGC winner. Players who ended up missing this cut and are not in the Champions Cup. Garrett Gerthy, Ezra Aderhold, Kevin Jones, Andrew Marweed, Noah Meinsma, Luke Humphreys, Austin Hannum, Zach Arlinghouse. A lot of very good players. I think uh, the notable ones that stick out to me are Kevin Jones and Ezra Aderhold and Andrew Marweed. Kevin Jones plays every single major he can. The last time he missed a MPO major was 2018 Kona Piche. He played every other, he went over to Europe twice. He played every other major possible. Uh, and then he unfortunately has to miss this one. Ezra Aderhold tries to play almost every single tour event. Uh, this, the last time he missed back to back, disc golf pro tour season events of course this is a pdga major uh but you have to go back to 2021 when there was stafford open in uh delaware disc golf challenge back to back being uh an nt for the delaware uh but he he doesn't miss a lot of events he tries to play every event possible but he won't be playing in champions cup of course andrew marwe known as a, a woods assassin great putter he will not be playing in it as well uh qualifying was incredibly exciting to me following on scores uh 
Um, <laughs> yeah. It was one of those things where I wish we had live coverage of it, but it's probably going to be a one-off. And I'm sure the DGN team is traveling all the way from North Carolina, North Carolina down to Georgia. So it just wasn't possible, but would have been really cool. Yeah, I think, believe it or not, following live scoring, you, Ben, you... Yeah, I know. We're <laughs> working on multiple Studio things mode. at the same times. Following live scoring is in, enjoyable to me. Mm-hmm. I like watching uh, fantasy football. I don't watch every single you know throw. I like watching that. So I agree with you, Evan. Um, watching play-ins and Monday qualifiers like USDGC and now obviously here at Champions Cup, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. I think it's crazy that some of these players aren't making it in. Um, I know you said you don't want to talk much about it, Evan, and just because it's been talked about a lot. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about that either. But like seeing like Kevin Jones and others not making it into this event, Ezra, interesting, unfortunate. Nick, you have any other thoughts on the qualifier? Uh, I want to shout out my buddy Dylan Horst. He beat me in a playoff last year at the Capital Discs Open, and we've been friends for, I don't know, probably about a year now. I saw him a couple weeks ago, but he did qualify for the event. He shot four down, so I just want to shout him out really quick. Matt Dollar, who you know is kind of a OG player in the sport. He plays in MP40 a lot now. He qualified for it. Nate Perkins, who you've seen on the course doing commentary and then off the course also in the booth doing commentary. He's in it, so... I mean, a lot of great players still in it. I just... Feel, I feel kind of bad for the you know top fifty players in the world who aren't playing this major. But then at the same time, you can't one hundred percent feel bad because there's an easy process of signing up for tournaments, and they miss that process. And you know, it it is what it is at that point. Here's an interesting thought. Anybody see that um, the PDGA is requiring identity verification for majors? Have you heard that yet? No, I I heard rumblings of that. And um, if you have more information, Matt, I want to hear about it. Okay. Oh, sit tight. Our screens just reset here. This happens every now and then when I do stupid things like hit a power button on my TV. Oh, baby. Okay. I will talk more about it. But if you saw what was happening right now, you would want to cry. (laughs) Hold on. Okay, we can see. Unreal, guys. I apologize for this, this jumpiness of this live show, but we're still going. It's just. A lot of screen craziness. So here's your more information, Evan. Um, I should say I read through it, but I can't remember if it's this year, but I'm pretty sure it is as of this major. I'm pretty sure it's as of this major, and I'll tell you why I think that. But the PDGA is requiring some form of verification of your identity for the reason being right now I could sign up as a 14 year old boy. And I mean that with just like all lightness when I'm saying that, like I could do that and there's no way currently that they are trying to prove that. Now, obviously I have a beard. That was a stupid take, but my, my 13 year old, for instance, he could sign up in the 12 and under. Right. And nobody, how do they know? Right. Is he 12 or not? Like parents could lie. Kids could lie. Um, in the general sense of disc golf, cool, like whatever. It's not the spirit of the game. You know, everyone's like, let's be lighthearted about it. But when my brother and I were running the the national title for the uh, junior disc golf, U.S. junior disc golf championship, we had that same thought in our head. Like, let's make this legit. It's a, it's almost, it's a major status. Let's run it that way. Let's make sure the players are who they say they are. That's what the PDGA is doing. 
They're doing it for all majors. So when my kids go out to Junior Worlds this year, when they show up to check in, they have to bring a form of identity. In children's case, most likely, it's going to be a birth certificate. Um, it could be a passport. It could be some other form of federal identification as long as it's on the PDGA's list. It's, it's a list of items that you would see normally for proving who you are. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a needed thing. I think it's important. I think as our sport gets more eyes on it and exposure, it's going to matter more. I don't think you see any other major sports or anywhere else where they don't have to do this, including getting off topic, drug testing and everything else. I mean, it's just going to all head that direction to become more official. So that's what I know about it, but that is a thing. So I'm assuming coming into champions cup here, players are going to have to prove their identity. I think they can do it with a driver's license. So it's that simple. Gotcha. Yeah. Huh. And the reason I said birth certificate is because my kids don't have a driver's license. <laughs> so, that would make sense. So, yeah. Uh, next time you show up to a major, Nick, you better have your ID. I don't remember the last time that I've ever gone anywhere without my ID. You're going to get I've carded. I'm one of those people who loses my license or anything like that. So, do you have a story uh, to tell us about losing a credit card, though, down in Virginia? <laughs> If you really want to hash that up. No. What episode is that on? We talked about it before. I do. That was on like, I don't know. Episode, episode seven. Or something like yeah, that. We're... Long, long story short, the first year that I moved down to Virginia in 2017, I moved into an apartment with Paul. He, I had just driven 10 hours. He gave me his credit card to go down to Firehouse Subs and pick up some dinner. And so I went and I was wearing a pair of sweatpants where the credit card fell out while I was in the store. I was just sitting down. They fell out of my pocket and... uh the apartment complex was only a minute down the road, so I drove back, realized I didn't have the credit card, drove back to Firehouse, and they had fully chopped it up. So that they, was their policy, apparently. Is you just glossed they find over a credit that. Card, yeah, anytime they find a credit card, they just immediately chop it up because how do you prove it's yours or whatever? And so Nick walks in anyways. to embellish. Yeah. Anyways, he says, Nick walks in and he's like, hey, I left my credit card here. And they're like, oh, we yeah. cut it up. And Nick's yeah, like, they no, actually gave me back the pieces of it. <laughs> I was like, nice, just add insult this to slap with in that the one. Yeah. And Ben, yeah, this oh, is yeah. this is like the first, like, I don't know, month, weeks that he was down there with the Macbeths. It was the first day. First day. Yeah. And this happened. Literally the first your card, night, I, you know, I'll buy, I'll fly if you buy kind of a thing. And then he yeah. gets cut up. He goes back to Paul. He's like, here's your credit card. Yeah. How like, nervous hey, sorry, are you? you Do you think yeah, he's going to kick you out? any money right now. Yeah. You think he was going to kick you out that day? Oh, yeah. I was like, you know what? My car's still half packed right now. I'll just, I'll leave. <laughs> Firehouse subs policy. I've never heard of that. I just cut up a car. <laughs> just cut it up. But yeah. then they would have been like, who are you? You couldn't even prove it. You'd be like, you're right. That's I, I would have said, I, I literally would have said, Paul, can you come down here and claim yeah. this credit card? Because I feel bad, or whatever. Like, if it, if it had come to that, it just, it didn't even get to that point. They <sighs> chopped it up immediately. It's so it was a funny. nice blue credit card. So and it was gone. So I literally walked back into the apartment. And I said, hey, man, I got some bad news. And then I just put it out on the living room, like, you know, chair thing you have, the, the, the table. And uh, yeah, so that's how I started out my life here in Virginia. And then I moved away from it. And now I'm back. So. All right. Yeah. Before we move on from the uh, what I had mentioned about verification, it would be foolish to gloss over the fact that this is probably I think it's a good move regardless, but it's probably a, a significant push at this point in the history of the sport based off of everything that's going on with transgendered competitors. Um, they, It says, I think it said in the article on PDJ, which you can find it, um, it said that, you know, what is listed on your identification is what you must compete with. 
Um, if that is different, if like the identification you have is different, they talk about here's the contact and information to talk to the PDGA about getting that fixed or whatever. But that's currently how it is. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit. We're just going to jump all over. Coming into this event, I was thinking to myself, wow, own. She was such a large topic of discussion coming out of last season. And coming into this season, it felt like, I don't know, you didn't hear a lot about her. Um, I think we made predictions earlier on in the season, this season. And I think we all picked, I don't remember what we all picked for her. We all had different takes on it, but I, I'm curious. She's playing average, or do you think she's not having the same season as last year? I think with how well she played last year, I think it was going to be tough, especially this stretch of the tour where, you know, we've had a few golf courses already played throughout the year so far. Um, we haven't hit that, you know, Midwest to East Coast swing where the courses, they're open, but they're not nearly as open as an OTB open or Las Vegas or the open at Austin. These courses have been. So I think we're going to see kind of own come into her own. Um, within hopefully the <laughs> no next pun. few events, I think with, huh? Own oh, come yeah. into her I didn't own. Even, I didn't even think about that. So anyways, um, yeah, I think middle of the season to the end of the season is where we will really see her shine. Um, but right now with the courses being as large as they are, um, I think that's one of the reasons why we haven't seen her play up to maybe the expectations that we had for her. But that's not to say that she's having a bad season at all. It's just more so it's not as much uh, publicity as what she had last year. Yeah, I think she's playing a little bit, uh, I say a little bit worse than last year, not as good as maybe a better way to phrase it. Um, but she she has two, three, three podiums uh, on the Disc Golf Pro Tour right now. She's sitting in fourth place. Uh, she's sitting better than Missy Gannon, Paige Pierce, and and a few other uh, bigger names. I mean, fourth place is good. That's what the semifinal buy used to be. Of course, mm -hmm. now we're moving to a stroke advantage uh, for this Pro Tour championship. But she does have two outside top 10 finishes, which, um, depending on the event, can cannot i don't want to say not ideal fpo is getting so much better every single year that a 15th and an 11th is that really too much to complain about that those are her two worst finishes on the year uh i i think it's it's fine saying that it's not as good of a year as last year but it's not a everything's falling apart and no. she can't rebound from it it's yeah. still a, a good season especially for a, a player who could be playing fp40 if she wanted to but she's competing yeah. in open women that's i think it's incredible and still a very good season so far her 15th place too was at the open in austin which was a course that a lot of pros had kind of given a bad rap about it was a longer course on a golf style or a golf course and uh not really she's not known for her power distance she has a good forehand good backhand she's a phenomenal putter but she's not you know, someone who we rave about having big distance, like the Chris and Tatars and Paige Pierce's and everyone like that. And then our 11th place finishes at the Music City Open, where it was pretty inclement weather, especially for the FBO cards teeing off earlier in the morning and on somewhat of a bigger course. Not, I don't think, as big as the Open in Austin. It was also, it was a little bit flatter. It wasn't insanely elevated out there. But um, definitely two courses that you don't really think, you know, this is where... I'm going to pick Owen Scoggins to win it. So if those are her only two outside of top tens, then yeah, she is having relatively a great year. And like Evan was just saying, playing better than Missy Gannon, Paige Pierce. Paige hasn't played as many events. Don't get me wrong, but we have seen kind of 
you know, the up and down of Paige that we, you know, have seen in years past. Yeah, well, we can talk about a lot of different FPO players. Um, and this is the point of this conversation was not to compare because, yeah, we could say the same thing about Missy Gannon. Um, we could say the same thing about a lot of the players. And I think it's an interesting discussion. We're going to move on from it right now. Um, but yeah, Evan, is it is it bad thing now in FPO to be 11 through 15th? I used to think, you know, like that's was fine. Um, but now it's, I mean, sorry, I used to think it was not fine. But now it's becoming a place where the com- competition is so high and so deep that it's like, well, okay. But what about players like Valerie? Uh, Amanda Hano, she's not back yet, so which that's a whole other topic in and of itself. I send her a message almost every week and I got to find a better way to contact her. And I ask about how's her ankle doing when she coming back. Um, we'll find out at some point. Um, how about this then? Let's move from that to this. How impressed should we be with Christian Tatar so far this season? How impressed you're impressed. Uh, what would be a good word for that? Impress a meter. <laughs> how impressed I'm, are you, Nick? I'm 10 out of 10. And and how do you base your Relative. impress, like how you're impressed? Because last year, are you basing it off of last year's performance or just like? Yeah. I mean, and then being able to watch the coverage, being able to watch her play right now, she's just so superior in every single category than a lot of players. And she can have an off weekend. She got a fifth place. Oh, my gosh. Fifth place at the Open at Austin. But other than that, she's been first place, second place, first place, first place. So when it comes to picking off right where she left off, and she had said at the Open in Austin that she wasn't really feeling it. She was mentally going through some stuff, feeling lonely, all these different things you know, going on in her life. She's an overseas player who's coming over here to the U.S. to compete full-time. She's leaving her family and her friends that are all back home in Estonia, besides for the ones who are able to come out and travel with her. And so, yeah, there's definitely going to be that loneliness, mental stress with it. You're worried about things that are potentially going on back home. We have no idea exactly what's going on with everything, but to only have one outside of the podium finish so far this year at the events that she's played, I think is pretty incredible. And then also winning three of them, picking up her third win this past weekend. Uh, It's just awesome. And when you watch her play, the shots that she throws that, you know, harp up shot with a little forehand or backhand, the backhand tee shots, even the forehand tee shots, she's just consistent in every single part of her game. And I think we haven't, quite seen that yet in fpo besides for kristen tatar last year as well so say before 2022 we haven't seen such consistency in all areas of the game Paige pierce obviously has an incredible backhand has great distance with it as well and is a great putter when she's on she's on but it hasn't ever really had that forehand that we are seeing out of a couple of the other players take sarah hokum who got second this past weekend had an awesome throw in on um one of the par fours she eagled it with a throw in some would argue about her forehand form, but she gets it done. She has one of the better forehands, especially in the FBO division, if not the best when it comes to technicalness of it with understable and overstable discs. But she doesn't have a backhand compared to what Kristen has. So, yeah, when it comes to being impressed how the 2023 year so far is going for her, I would say very impressed. And I think she has a lot of momentum going into Champions Cup. What do you think, Evan? How impressed your impressometer, however you want to determine that? Uh, I'll go the same scale as Nick. And so it's also a 10 out of 10, uh, through five events on the uh, disco pro tour season. She has three wins. The last two have looked incredibly, incredibly dominant, uh, through five events last year, she had zero wins. Uh, and the one argument you can make for 
last year over this year was the podium record. And I, I really do not care that she missed the podium at open at Austin. Nick kind of said some reasons why, but uh, uh, coming in fifth or second, it, it's all the same as it's, she she's winning other events and that's more important. Uh, she looks as dominant as she was at the peak of last season. Right now, the last two weeks, she has showed that she can come from behind and win. She has two come from behind wins this year. She only had one in her entire career uh, on the disc golf pro tour coming into this season. Uh, and so she's already doubled that. Uh, she's proven she can, dominate with a lead she can uh prove she can rebound from uh, a slow start there's there's nothing that's getting to her she's just playing incredibly well her shots are looking fairly dialed i mean her her deep putting is looking you know a little subpar i will say that but that's one minor thing wherever everything else in the game is looking good okay so i am generally a positive person but for this show i'm never a positive person because i don't think that's exciting so here's my questions would be i'm seeing the chat there's no flaws she's perfect you guys are 10 out of 10 were there times this year that you had questions though were there times this year so far that you've had questions and i think this is the points i'd bring up i think i agree with you of your final summarization but like look back to waco was there a time during that event where you were like huh like wow okay um think back to um, even most recently, uh, Music City Open, you're like, she's not leading going into the final round. Obviously, the game wasn't going her way. Uh, so there are rounds, right? And that's true with every player. But there are rounds where things aren't going her way. Um, and she's proving that she can overcome that. And that's what makes a great competitor. But I, th and, and this is not to say she's lacking in any area. But there are obviously times and places where there's a, a loose piece of armor in there and every now and then that's going to come out. I hope we don't see that. You know, we look back to worlds. Was it last year? Was the fort last year or was that D uh, 2021? Okay. 2021 was fort. Sorry. I'm going way back. Um, so she won last year. Great. You know, that was great to see after the fort when she didn't perform as well. And that could have been pressures of worlds in a whole different way because of where she was at in her game. Um, Champions cup last year. We know what happened, right? She didn't, I guess I don't want to say, she made mistakes on the final uh, hole, putting area, the putting green. So nobody can be perfect. Um, I see some saying, where did she come from in the chat? Wow, how is she that good? I think, and I've always said this, and I, and I don't mean this by any diss at all to compare her to an MPO player, but work with me just to consider the feeling of the player that I'm talking about here. When I say Nate Sexton, Again, I'm only saying that as a small comparison of style of play, solid, um, on purpose, game plan, not affected easily, it seems, by emotions of the throws. Um, I'm going to play the shot that makes sense, and we'll see how it unfolds. You look at some of our other competitors, um, Paige Pierce, I'll just do that example. Paige Pierce is very... I'm going as hard as I can and she's changing. She's working on it, but as hard as I can on every throw and you see, she can be either super explosive or really far down the list. So I think it's working. I think more players need to look at this calculated game plan that doesn't involve as much risk. I call it the Nate Sexton way, but it's going to be the Kristen Tatar way before long. It already is probably. So anyways, yeah. Kristen's a 10 out of 10 as well for me after all. Of well, that. I mean, even, even talking about 
Sexton safe golf. Let's talk about how Simon has dialed back his game and the success that he's found from that. And I know that's something that we've talked about a ton on the podcast. So we don't really have to have to hash into it. But I think in the FBO side, we've seen Paige Pierce kind of go for those hero plays, those hero putts, and it hasn't worked out in her favor. And it's not that Kristen doesn't go for those shots. She just executes everything a lot better than everyone else does right now. Mm-hmm. And I know recency bias is at an all-time high with seeing the success that she's already been having this year. But honest to goodness, when you just watch her play, her backhand form is silky smooth, but it's also powerful. Her forehand gets the job done. It's above average. And then her putting, you rarely see her really make those big, big putting mistakes. Now, every so often, everyone in the world is going to miss a 15-footer, or 20-footer, or 25-footer when kind of the moment arises. But at the same time, she canned that 33-footer at Waco to end up winning the tournament after having an off-putting day the whole time. But she made the putt that matter, mattered, and that's what we saw. And I think one of the things that we can also talk about is Kristen Tatar, the final round at this last tournament, started out with a double bogey while Sarah Hocum birdie did. We had a three-shirt swing right off the bat, which brought the lead down, I think, from seven to four. Kristen went on to just play immaculate right after that, ended up winning the tournament by about nine strokes or so. So every so often we are going to see her make a mistake, but she definitely makes the least amount of mistakes out there. And we'll keep saying it. Her consistency is just, I think, far above what everyone else is right now. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Ganenberg and Calvin Heinberg on the MPO side of things. Their consistency of playing well throughout this year. Gannon has a couple finishes that, you know, obviously he would love to take back, I think, in the high 20s or mid 20s. But at the same time, he's almost in contention at every single tournament. It seems like we're trying to get him onto the podcast every single week because of the success that he's having. Same thing with Calvin Heimberg. So here, here's the short version of what I just said, because I heard what you said, Nick, and I was like, you know what? I think what I was really trying to say is that watch out. Kristen Tatar can do even more and be better by a long shot than she is right now. That's really the point I was making with the antagonist view. Like I'm going, it doesn't feel like she's firing on all cylinders, maybe in certain rounds. Like I said, music city open, it really started to look that way, but not every round has felt that way. And I'm going, man, if she is on, if she is really on and she gets all three rounds, I mean, we're watching 10 stroke victories right now. Like it could be even crazier. Anyways, that's all I'm trying to say is there's there's something to be viewed there from either perspective. Um, all right. How about this? Not to repeat last week's topic and the week before and the week before and the week before, but we have another chase card winner. Mm-hmm. I'll say it one more time and let you guys react to it as well. I think this is going to become a lot more normal. I'm not saying it's going to happen every week, but we're going to expect that we're not just going to look at the top four anymore. We're going to look at anybody that is within striking distance, one, two, three, four strokes even. And we're going to say, who do you pick? You know, so you guys think that's still going to be accurate for the future? Yeah, uh, I think with, uh, no, go ahead, Evan. You're I was excited say, about uh, it. Go for it. No, I, I mean, we, we talked about this last week and we we're saying the same things as last week and not that it's a bad thing. It, it, it's, it, it's an emphasis on, uh, we've had another chase card win like we're adding to what we were saying last week that it is going to be more and more common and i i want to think about the stats that i had last week for simon lazat um that he was the third player ever to have two chase card victories and that we had uh three chase card victories on the season and that tied the most ever for a season and so now if we include the most recent silver event and we add in silvers to the season uh 
we have passed the most chase card victories. We had Gannon Burr who gets a chase card victory just a few weeks after he got one at Austin. He now has two chase card victories. So if you're including silvers in the uh, qualifier, he's right in that club with Ken Kleinbaugh, Paul McBeth, and Simon Lazat. Mm-hmm. We're just like repeating the same stats, but adding them, I know. Uh, onto themselves, which is a cool thing. And that shows how common it has been. I, I think like at this point, we, I got to guess we're going to have at least at least three more chase card winners for the rest of the season. Like, I feel like that's under like, I feel like that's way underselling it, too. Like, I feel like I have to say, like, there's gonna be six. We're not even halfway through the season and we have four. Uh, that's insane. But I will tee it up for this. We have never, ever seen a chase card winner at a major, uh, at least with uh, I was I say ask you properly, properly reported data. Uh, the 1985 Wiftiff World Championship. It was only reported as I think a one round, but the scores were high enough, so, something like that. So we can't, you know, accurately report on that one. Um, but when there is accurate reporting um, in the PDGA database, uh, we have never seen a chase card winner at a major from either MPO or FPO. That's also not counting other majors. So don't at me that there was <laughs> some, you know, MA50 chase card winner one time. Uh, but I, there's such a huge chance that we see that at champions cup. I feel like champions cup is probably the event to see it at too. Um, because worlds is being five rounds European open. I feel like is a little bit more of a separator and same with Winthrop. So I think champions cup, we're primed to see it. It'll be interesting. So if this is why I think we'll just solidify it one more time. I mean, the players are getting, it's getting so much deeper. Again, we don't need to rehash all last week's conversation, but if you put Gannon Burr, you put Chris Dickerson, Calvin Klein, a Calvin Klein. (laughs) I'm looking at Kyle Klein. Yes, because in this this uh, list that I'm looking at, it's Kyle Klein and Calvin Heinberg together. I just said Calvin (laughs) Klein. So you put Kyle Klein and Calvin Heinberg in the top four. You still have Ricky Wysocki, Paul McBeth. Isaac Robinson you could add a whole bunch of other players the point is if you get any of those in the top eight or top 10 or top 12 we used to say for Paul remember if it was the last day and Paul's within like eight you're like he could win and it wasn't a joke it wasn't a joke it was legit and I think more players are not Paul's status but the competitive drive and the skill level for an event now is there where you can watch Gannon Bird do it you could watch Ricky Wysaw you watch Simon Lazat do it so it's going to become more regular that's an interesting take Evan maybe three times maybe that's under we'll see we'll watch how it plays out I'll add one more thing too. We've never seen a uh, chase card winner from a major. We've also never, oh, sorry, not never. We've only once seen a chase card winner from a four round tournament. The only time we saw it was 2015 Beaver State with uh, Paul McBeth taking it down from chase card. That's the that's the only one we have. Every other one was three or even two rounds. Uh, so uh, that'll be interesting. When we talk about the chase cards this season, uh, They've all been three round events. None of them have been four rounds. The mm. only elite event without a chase card winner. That's right. Like I'm not going crazy for the 2023 season. The only elite event. Yeah. was the four round LBC. Las Vegas challenge. Yep. Every other one's been three rounds. And if you go back to last season with MVP open, that was also three rounds because of the canceled first day. Um, that's saw a chase card winner. So let's talk a little bit about um, the brain freeze I'm having. <laughs> it's gonna i was like let's go there then i was thinking about the stats you were just saying um so we're going to wr jackson 
There's going to be four rounds there. Who knows? Does that actually predict that chase cards are less likely? Because by that point, the average over four rounds, you know, the player who's just yeah. playing better consistently is likely to win it. And this goes maybe to that mm -hmm. stat of Paul Macbeth and majors. He has, I know we were talking about this in our group chat earlier. If you, if you drop Felberg from the list, I think that's what we were saying. He's got the yeah. same amount or is that, is that accurate? The same amount so, of major yeah. wins as the total combined field. If you drop Felberg. I was going to say out of the, I think it is 108 players in the field right now. Paul Macbeth has 17 major wins. The other 107 players combined have 24. Take out Dave Felberg and the other 106 players in the field have 17 combined major wins. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when it comes time to win a major, Paul Macbeth, Paige Pierce, uh, Valerie Jenkins have always been players. Ken Climo, obviously, have always been players who kind of rose to the top for those occasions. Um, being longer tournaments, I think, is one of the biggest things back when Kenny was winning worlds. They were eight, nine, ten rounders. Um, Valerie and Paul were winning worlds when they were seven, eight, nine, ten rounds, I think. Maybe six, seven, eight, nine. I, I don't really know. But I kind of miss when majors were like that or the world championships were like that. Just watching that was cool because it was just a ton of disc golf content to consume. But now with them being four rounds, uh, a cut after three rounds, you kind of see those players who should be there mostly at the top. Um it's really hard to kind of pick who can be the winner. I know we're going to do that later, kind of picking it out, but it's really tough to actually think who's going to win the MPO side for this upcoming major. Right. Yeah, go ahead, Evan. You want to know something interesting, though? Mm -hmm. If we're talking about combined majors, uh, Paul McBeth, of course, has 17 majors for himself. Take the Disc Golf Pro Tour top 10 as of this current week. How many majors do you think the other nine players have? Because Paul McBeth is sixth right now in Disc Golf Pro Tour points. Wait, the other right nine now? Of just the top 10 in Disc Golf Pro Tour points, how many majors do the other nine have? This is a two-parter because you got to know who's in the top 10 right yeah. now. Like, I, like Ricky Rasaki is not in the top 10. He has seven majors. Dave Felberg's not. Yeah, sorry, Dave, Ricky has six. Dave Felberg's not. He has seven majors. Maybe. I I, maybe Six and seven. I forget which one's right. Sorry. Maybe two in the or top three. Ten? It's got to be low, one. right? Is it Gannon Burr with one? And Chris Dickerson. Yeah. Oh, and Chris Dickerson. Yep. So there's two, no three, yeah. because Chris has two wins. That's why I said yeah, Chris, two or three. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> yeah. Nice. You guys have it right. That that's it. That's the okay. list. Three. No one else wow. in the top ten besides those two and Paul McBeth have any majors. Uh, I mean, you have players who uh, have a lot of elite wins, like Calvin Heimberg and Simon Liz Simon Lazat. Simon Lazat's ninth, yep. Uh, but Calvin Heimberg's number one, of course. Uh, they have a combined fifteen elite wins. Uh, those two uh, are number one and two for most elite wins without a major win in their career. Eight for Heimberg, seven for Lazat. Okay, so we will we're we're gonna keep teasing it out there. Maybe Gannon Burr in a few minutes, and also we'll talk a lot more made uh, major the Champions Cup before we move fully away from um, this last event. Though, how do you view a silver event? I haven't decided yet. I usually make the decision based off of the strength of field who's there um well you most silver events so far that we've had this year in the mpo side the top one and two players have been to each one of those events and i'm talking about Burr and calvin heimberg are i think who you could kind of consider two of the best players in the world right now um and i think they've played has there been one or two of them there's been two this calendar year and then four this season 
Okay, so let's talk to this calendar year. Do you um the Blue Ridge and then Texas States? That's right. So you do it the same way. There's no difference in your mind between a uh what they call the elite or as long as the players are there, it's the same. Like the win should be valued the same. Like that's what I'm talking about. Is how are we looking at these events? Like, hey, all the greatest players in the world are there. Are we treating it just like as if it was you know the same as uh, Deglo? Or are we saying no? Is you know it was it was a good win. Everyone was there, but it's just you're it's worth less points. Yeah. So let's say James Conrad did not qualify this weekend. James Conrad is a major winner. He's a world champion and a U.S. DGC champion. Um, if he was not playing this event, and let's say let's add three other names onto that list with Ezra, and let's say Paul somehow didn't sign up for the <laughs> event, didn't qualify for it, would you still like this tournament is a major? They didn't sign up for the event on time. Would you still consider it a major uh, because the strength of the field is a little bit lower? Um, I mean, each each event has their own level. So you have the Silver Series, the Elite Series. Um, and the majors, but then you have C tiers, B tiers, and A tiers. Now each one of them has kind of their own wrap around it. I would rather win a B tier versus a C tier when it comes to certain things. But if a C tier has a hundred players who are all nine eighty to ten twenty, I'd rather win that than a B tier where there's no thousand rated players at it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I know that I played better than a majority of the people, or that I played better than all the people there. But there was a much better strength of the field. So I think with the Silver Series right now, we still are getting a lot of top 10 players going to each and every single one of them. I mean, this past one had Calvin Heinberg, Ganon Ricky Wysocki, James Conrad. You can kind of go down the list of the players that actually were there. We are missing Paul. Um, was Chris Dickerson at this event? I'm not really sure. But um, Silver Series, they're not as big as Elite Series, and I don't think they ever will be. But I honestly, we've said it before. I that's the point of the silver series events it's to potentially showcase the up-and-comer that's coming out in the road right now we actually had a lot of up-and-comers doing very well at this event for the first few rounds of it and then maybe potentially falling off but a couple of them staying in the top 10 in the top 20 with Ganonbur ended up winning it on the MPO side of things so relatively to kind of make a long story short the silver series events I don't count them as high as an elite series event and obviously not nearly as high as a major but to take down a win against a majority of the best players in the world is, you know, no small task. So I, I still think it's great competition. It's great that we get to watch it. And it's showcasing different courses that we haven't seen before. So I also like that aspect of it. Yeah, Evan, any thoughts? Uh, I think they're clearly below elite events. I mean, I the, the top players are still there, but the depth of the field is definitely not. And mm-hmm. with how many players we see winning from all over the place. Uh, I think that has to be valued. You can't just look at Calvin Heimberg, Gannon Burr, maybe Ricky Wysocki showing up and say, oh yeah, it's the same as an elite event because we didn't have Paul Macbeth at this Blue Ridge event and Chris Dickerson as you're getting out. We also didn't have Simon Lazat. He doesn't really play silver events. On the FPO side, Paige Pierce has played like one silver event in her entire career. Uh, Eagle Man, I don't even think has ever played a silver event in his career so these are players who can win on any given event and if they're not there that is a, a subtraction of some 
some point, maybe small, but of some point when it adds up through uh, throughout, I think it is valid. Uh, if I look at, uh, again, I'm going to uh, hype up the Statmando field strength metric. You can look at it uh, on our site and you'll see clearly that there is a, a tier one and a tier two this year so far. The tier one are the elite events. The tier two is the silver events. And then you drop down a huge gap until you get to like the memorial and such of other quality A tiers not on tour. So it, it, I wouldn't just call it an A tier. I think it's much, much, much better than a normal A tier, but it still is a step down from elite events and uh, they still can play a great factor. I mean, look at the excitement we had. So it, this past weekend, it doesn't mean that they're they're not exciting and they're not worth talking about. They're definitely a part of the tour, but they are a, a tier below elite events and which are a tier below majors. Okay. Um, what do you guys think of this idea? It wouldn't be for now, but in the future, uh, capping that to certain players, you know, below certain points and tiers or whatever you want to call it to where what Nick said, which was like, Hey, let's feature these other players. It would be awesome to see some of these players get their first win. Granted, not against the strongest field, but I feel like that would be a moment to be like, this guy won, and maybe it's a qualifier for something like a major or or something like that, right? To be able to watch I think you would lose a ton of viewership. 100%. Yeah, I didn't say for now. And I think that's one of the biggest things that, I mean, it's why the Disc Golf Network can kind of, let's say, survive the way that it can survive. I'm not talking about now, Nick. Yeah. I I started this off saying not now. Not now. I'm talking about down the road future because yeah. you're right. It would kill. It wouldn't yeah. kill the pro tour, but it would be very defeating for it right now. If they were like, yeah. hey, Paul, you can't show up, Simon, whoever. Right. That would not be a yeah. good move. But I'm just talking about in the future. Like we want to see some of these players featured um, and not have Gannon Burr, who's now ranked number one in the world per some rankings, mm-hmm. um, as well as Calvin, who's ranked number one in the world. So I'm like, I'm not take, saying yeah. they're taking, you know, candy from a child. Ricky was there as well. I'm saying Everyone's it'd be donating neat. to them right now. Yeah, it'd be neat to see a, a tour that featured some of these other players long, long term, yeah. maybe so. I think I think that definitely could work, but if anything, I know some of the players aren't playing any of the Silver Series events, and I think that's great. It's you know for your body, you got to heal up. Let's say I think Simon's a little bit above. No, I think he just turned thirty. Um, and like Nate Sexton has said in the past, Nate Sexton is more towards the end of the career than he is the beginning of his career. Gannon Burr and Calvin Heinberg not being too old, but Gannon Burr being a young gun is cashing in on the perfect opportunity right now. He's going to these events. He's playing all of them. He's already made $20,000 this year, and that's in, honestly, a month and a half of solid disc golf, and he's made $20,000. And this is also all while this whole Prodigy lawsuit thing is going on, and we <laughs> haven't really talked about that in the last the week or two, so I'm kind of curious where things are at with it. You can ask Gannon um, in just a minute. Exa- if he ends up getting on, then Here. we'll definitely just say, hey, is there anything happening? I've been but texting him. At- he says, yeah. what's the latest I can join? I don't even have one bar of service. So uh, I'm Tell going back join and forth with him. 8.50 so p.m. As soon as he gets in, I'm just cutting everybody off, and we're just going straight into an interview, cut them yeah. loose, and then we're on yeah. to the next topics. But we'll see if that happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'll hop into that topic and say, I, I don't think I want Silvers as they are now to change. I think they have a very valuable place in the schedule where they're very much, I would say, I'm going to say a normal pro tour stop, but with the flexibility that you can take 
a, a chunk of them off. Uh, if if you're a pro who has plenty of points, you can be like, hey, these are my plans, skip ones, but I'm really going to try to make as many elite as possible, but I can be a little bit more sparing, sparingly, uh, whatever, I, you guys know what I'm trying to say, with uh, the silver events. I, I think it, the ship has already sailed on this being any sort of qualifying or even uh, B tour type thing. I think that is totally out of the question in my personal opinion. Uh, but the pro tour has um, made mention of having a possible qualifying tour. They've, they've said it, they've been thinking about it. I don't know if there's any more news on it, but I think those would be a lot more what we're going for, which I would like to see some sort of capped and you can get a pro tour card from that. Maybe the winner of that, the winner of, of a silver event gets a tour card for the following season. Uh, Ganabur already has it locked up, so he didn't win one this weekend. <laughs> he already has it locked up. Uh, it, it could be USDC, USDGC qualifying type where it drops down to the next player if they don't have it and so on. Uh, but it would be cool to see qualifying events on off weeks and maybe a couple throughout the country. We have an off week, and there's three throughout the country and each get a pro tour qualifying spot and it's a really big deal and maybe there's live coverage or some sort of a few different ones and if you have a current tour card um for the next season you can't play it because it's only for players without a tour card something like that i i would find really fascinating it would want to at least uh follow along with maybe not tune in for all three rounds of coverage but for a final nine type deal i think that would be really really cool Mm-hmm. cool yeah I, I just throw these topics at the wall and let people talk about them as they will <laughs> there's some of them are good ideas some of them are bad um but now that it got brought up nick and it's possible gannon comes on here and maybe we'll get the chance to ask him what's going on but have your percentages changed from previous weeks or have they gone up i feel like mine have gone up that he's staying with prodigy for the rest of the season and I don't have inside information here, and I'm glad I don't because I can talk freely about it. Uh, have yeah, have your right. numbers changed at all? Do you feel like it's getting like if he plays Champions Cup as with Prodigy, like have your percentages I, gone up? I still think that when the first opportunity arises that, hey, things are settled up, you're happy on your side, we're happy on our side, and you can leave, I think he leaves. But That's what we don't take. know. Is what we that, don't know is whether that's going to happen. I was just going to say, and we could, frankly, we can see that the court cases are still open or closed. But my point mm-hmm. is, they're doing the right things, by the way. For what it's worth, Prodigy was looking, for a lot of people, Prodigy was looking pretty tarnished. Like, what are you doing suing a kid? That was that take. Yeah. There's another side that's like, what's this kid doing trying to break a contract? Two different sides of the same equation, but they're both doing everything they need to do to have maintained better uh, public appearance. Like Prodigy continually promotes him pretty strong, uh, even mm-hmm. with his win. And now is stronger now than they did before. I feel, I feel similar. Exactly. Nick yeah. stronger than before. And I feel like yeah. Gannon hasn't said a word except even like in his, all of his posts, like, man, the PA I, for fours or ones or whatever, we're, we're working amazing. You know, like he's doing his part to, to shout out the things too. Um, people are confused by this. I don't know if there's much confusion because I feel like this goes back to my take earlier. Remember I said best case scenario, they figure it out and they work it out. I feel like that's what's happening. I, I don't know. I, I, I could see it either way, but my percentages are increasing that he stays with prodigy for, for this season. 
closes it out. Just for the season. So you think given the opportunity next season, he's gone? Oh, yeah. I don't think he's going to. Is that normally is would next year have been the year that he could technically Mm -hmm. leave? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, no matter what, by the beginning of next year, he's gone. Mm -hmm. Here's part of my take. This This might be like, I'm trying to read him, and I could be so far off. Gannon, if you, you probably can't watch this right now because you don't have good service, but if you're watching this later, um, Gannon's a good dude. He's 17, but he's like good-hearted guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he he didn't want any of this like to be bad. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. And I have this feeling when things started to go pretty bad, I don't think he liked that feeling. Like again, this is my take. He did not like the feeling of what was going down. And Prodigy obviously didn't like the feeling either. They did it. But they had. Yeah. But it was like this big bad thing. And I feel like when the dust settled, whether it was a month later or whatever it was, people have got cooler heads now. And they're like, listen, let's figure it out. Like, we're going to give you more money, which we already saw. Right. We did see that proposed out there. We're going to give you more money. Now, I know we don't know if that was ever settled or not. But can we get you through this year, Gannon? It will look better for you. You didn't break a contract early. It'll look better for us. We are able to work things out. Anyways, could be way off. Could be way off. Be curious. I don't know if you guys saw this on Facebook, but it went around one of the disc golf groups that comes up on, you know, your follow things or whatever. Um, but someone had said that on Jomez at MCO, they had Gannon Burr throwing like a Z Metallic Zeus or something like that, like a grayish one. So everyone was commenting because Jomez does, you know, what discs they're throwing. And it apparently could have been a mistake. Um, but someone finally tagged Gannon in it. And Gannon was like, yes, it is a Zeus. And it, it just got the whole chat just absolutely wild. On, or all the comment sections absolutely wild on that of people, you know, believing it or not believing it. And it's just, it was pretty funny. So Gannon kind of making a joke in what the do you midst think, of all this ben? where he was just like, cool. yeah, it's a Zeus. I, I texted that in the group chat. No one responded to me about that. But <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was like, either Jomas is man. messing up or Gannon is actually throwing a Z-Metallic Zeus. Because I saw it the first time and I was like, okay, they messed up. But they kept doing it. So, and if Gannon said he did it, I think he might have been throwing but you can ask him that when he comes on if he comes on he's yeah. coming on just for that he's gonna question. say he's gonna say yeah it was a zeus like i i swear it's just gonna be because it's funny unless it actually is and he's just long so conning everyone he, right now here's what here's what we got to do though is we got to get around the question in a different way we can't mention jomez we just got to be like uh, can we say can i see your bag <laughs> show me what discs are in your bag yeah Frank, like you got to get to it you got to get to it in a different way like uh oh like how is that z metallic nuke you're throwing and he goes oh it's not a nuke it's a force uh then we know right oh Oh, zeus sorry come on kerns see you're fooling yourself right now that's how in depth you are you're making yourself confused see i just learned this for the first time and that's how i would react like i just proved my point exactly that this is ganon burr all the way though franklin disc the whole segment with franklin disc are you going to franklin's oh yeah i'm so smart that got out of my contract or yeah absolutely i'm going to franklin they're so awesome like that's his and i'll use the word shtick it's who he is like yeah but was he or was he not that's fun to talk about if he was if he was throwing that what does that mean i think it means that he's trolling everybody unless he's going to discraft (laughs) But that's well, not so the rumor was, on the street I heard was not that yeah. it was discraft. 
it was funny just Maybe because then everyone gets into kind of a pissing contest online of <laughs> information that they know from years and yes. years ago when Prodigy first started and how a lot of the pros were throwing Innova stamped, mm-hmm. or excuse me, Prodigy stamped destroyers and they just wiped the stance. And Ricky uh, Texas States was putting with Casey Pro AVRs that were Prodigy. It was just funny because everyone's like, oh, I know this and this person told me this and I've known this pro for years and they told me this. And it's just, you know, it's just, it was just funny the way that gannon played into it to make everyone kind of go off the deep end and freak out about it was it for me it was comical reading for about five minutes so i liked it caroline henderson i already said this last Mm -hmm. week signed with uh prodigy but and this is probably true for a lot of signings i would imagine although i don't feel like i heard it recently but they're giving her six months to to learn their disc so she can throw whatever she wants for six months and be sponsored by Prodigy. So mm-hmm. that's good. If she I, wants uh, to continue, great. right? That's what that means? Well, I guess so. Yeah, she could cancel her contract. As in, yeah, yeah. it's not just like yeah. a six-month contract. It's like, or like, no, it's like a three-year contract yeah. or yeah. a two-year contract, but she can, yeah, she has, she gets six months to learn the disc. Yeah. Yeah, and cool. I assume once that six months hits, she's still locked in with Prodigy. Yeah. It's not like she can be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't actually like these discs. Yeah. Like, exactly. no, it's, just, it's just time to cycle in the bag. I mean, if you think about a player in her oh, shoes, up and comer, yeah. up and comer, she's not trying to mess up her game right now. She's really trying right. to make, like, get her break on tour. Mm-hmm. And if you switch up your whole bag, like, that's like, uh, we always say Archer, not the arrow, but that's enough right there to to hurt your game for a little bit. There's a difference between uh, that type of player and someone like, you know, Paige Pierce or Paul McBeth switching manufacturers in the offseason. Prodigy yeah. is just so lot. confusing, too. I'll I'll just go there. Like, it's not, I, go, I, I know that they say it's not confusing, like D1, D2, D3. Those are easy. PA, I know, but it's PA just like, one, yeah, I just PA don't PA know how any anything really flies that's why i don't throw prodigy just because i just don't know off the rip how they would fly where if you say you know t-bird immediately just that that yeah word just you know screams fairway driver like oh, <laughs> you just know how obviously like if you name something a t-bird it's clearly gonna fly like this destroyer yeah like the the name <laughs> absolutely attributes to how it flies. No, it does. 100%. You're, you're telling me you hear destroyer and you're thinking flippy, understable thing? No, you're thinking a destroyer. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, a destroyer does make a little bit of sense. <laughs> pig, but T-Bird, T-Bird, it could easily rhino. be like something flicky. But... But the the point still stands is that you hear you hear those names enough that it then you know resonates within you and you know exactly what they are whether you try them or not. Uh, so you just need to get to that point, Ben. That's and all. Just it put is. flight numbers too, Prodigy. Hold on. Come on, Prodigy. Hold flight on. Numbers. Fun little segment. Fun little segment. If if our names were represent or who we were were representative of the disc style, what disc would you be? So like Ben Kenny is definitely. Uh, is he a mid- this is something we should let the chat choose. Okay, for yeah. Because like the- I can't choose my own disc. No, I was gonna say it's almost like what would like, your tour series be? Yeah, exactly. As in yeah, like if no, let the chat when you, choose. Right, if but you when had you to say pick destroyer, disc- it made sense. Yeah. It was like, oh, that's definitely a driver, right? Pig's definitely a putter. So like, is Matt a putter or a driver or mid-range or something else? Is Nick what oh, is Nick? I get what you're saying. I'm yeah. a Wahoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Not what disc are you like? What style disc? I are thought you? you meant what disc are you, but you're saying what style? Oh, like we can do, but we should do disc? both. Putter, I feel like driver, what disc are you is fun. All right, 
Dan- Daniel goes, you guys are all mid. <laughs> I love <Lol. laughs> Ben is a groove. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Matt is a, a glitch. Is that even a thing? Butter. Matt is the tea box. Nice. Matt is a tea what box. What does that even mean? People walk all over him. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Ben putter. All right. Everyone's saying I'm yeah. pretty much a putter or a groove. Someone said I'm a 30 year old DX AVR. Nice. Evan's the test. Someone said Nick is a caddy. Which now some people are saying, yeah, Nick's a caddy. I'm an emperor. Let's go. I just thought it was, if it was obvious, like when you hear like prodigies, you're like, I have no idea. But like when you hear this is the Ben Kenny, like, do you think of like what that disc is? Uh, The Ben Kenny, if I were to have a tour series, it'd just be, it'd be a destroyer for me honestly okay. like one of the number one selling this and it's just it just makes sense oh little tidbit for anyone um either starting out or doesn't really know about this most people do but innova has a factory store where it's like super cheap it's just cosmetic defects like the stamp didn't work out or something like that and if you order 10 or more discs you get 20 percent off all this so i i've been that's what i use i use I've been buying Star Destroyers for like nine bucks, Halo Destroyers for like twelve. You know, just go on the Innova factory store and get yourself some cheap Innova because your bank account will thank you. I'm surprised no other companies really do that. Like XL, well, you have to buy them. What do you mean? I just I just pick up the discs I see on the course and then I don't have to pay for them. So you don't call people back <laughs> i'm playing around if you if you ever seen bet on the course you know his entire, his entire bag is just factory it seconds. is factory. Yeah. i don't think i have a stamp have no on any, clue of what any of his discs are but uh, i mean it's called the destroyer so you know exactly what it means even though the stamp looks the exact same as your wraith as your t-bird as your whatever else you got yeah okay that was random but um <laughs> oh someone said actually evan is a criminal <laughs> Oh my goodness. Evan is an assassin. Evan you is an overstable just threw yourself mid-range. Into that. <laughs> I'll take a stable mid-range, yeah. Oh sure. my Evan is a berg. <laughs> Let's go. Getting... Hey, I Evan literally I is a, say... no, you are a berg. Oh my goodness. You are literally a berg. That's insane. That is see that we found it that. for Evan. He is a berg. Wow. The Evan Berg. The Statmando Berg. Is there yeah, a disc? The is there a disc nowhere? for everybody? Evan's a ringer GT. <laughs> I like uh I'm trying to hone in on Nick. Like I feel like I know Nick as a disc. Like I do in a previous Nick is a life. buzz overthrow just said. No, I feel like he's a driver. I'm just trying to figure out which one it is. No, he, yeah, he's definitely a driver, like See? very neutral. But Very I don't know which one driver. it is. I, when but, I like, hear it can't it. be an obvious one. Uh, and I don't know whether it's like uh, a distance driver or it's a, king. a fairway driver. It's a side. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> it's a king. Or it could be a queen. You don't know. True. It doesn't have to be discraft, does it? I was going to say maybe it was the no, heat. If we're taking everything. All right. That was funny. That the Berg, though, I got to figure yeah. out what we all are. The fact that my head just exploded with that one is like. I, I'm like a little bit. Well, I I bought a Berg and then I, to be you honest, didn't really me. like it. So I and sold then it to found ben. out it's actually a horrible. And, horrible and ben, disc. ben would just be like, "Yes, the Kernsberg." <laughs> yeah, he just called it the Kernsberg for like yeah. a year until Josh, he lost it too. Josh and over from Overthrow. I'm assuming it's Josh Overthrow disc off. Matt is a Roadrunner. Is that 
Oh, that's a good one. Okay, Nick, I was wondering if anybody a, felt that. That's a classic car or a sick TV show. All right, I'll take it. Wesley Aker says that Ben Kenny has a factory second T-Bird in my hand right now. <laughs> See, I, they're just everywhere. Yeah. All right. Um, I told Gannon Burr, we've been chatting, texting throughout the whole show. And he's like, how late? Because I have one bar and I'm in the mountains. I got to cut you off for a second. Yep. <laughs> Steve only said Nicola Castro is a reactor. <laughs> <laughs> I, just found that, I just found that hilarious, to be honest. Oh, that is funny. Dude, the groups of chat. Sometimes the chat is, well, the chat is always the bomb. But we I mean, chat. like, yeah. sometimes you guys are fire with these amazing comments. We love it. Thank you very much. Makes us laugh. Just not the YouTube ones. The YouTube ones hurt our feelings sometimes. <laughs> no, the live chats are good. What's weird yeah. and way off topic, but what's no, I'm weird, saying the YouTube like the post production. Yeah, what's weird is when the comments come in about like my body parts. They're like the eyebrows last dude, week. I'm like people are like literally commenting on my body, which is really interesting. Yeah. I'm kind of flattered, but it's like. How much does the rent cost for your eyebrows on your forehead? <laughs> and the <laughs> beard. Be fair, people the beard talk is about a huge your, thing. People like, talk about your beard all the time. That's, all right. Yeah. And that's positive, I'd They're say. They're fascinating. <laughs> positive, negative. It's all good press in some way. All right. Matt, you so might what's have the, topics. What's, what's up with Gannon? So I was just okay. going to say, Gannon, we're stringing this out as long as we can. He's like, what's the latest? And I said the latest is 25 minutes from right now that he could come on and he would say hi to us. If it goes that late, it goes that late. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. We tried. We've been texting and trying to make it work. We could just text him our interview questions. Or have him call us. He says he has one bar. Or he just wins a major, and then we get him on next week. I know. Well, it's going to be that Simple way anyways. Just every week. So here's another topic. Yeah. You ready? James Proctor. Mm. What, yeah. <laughs> what kind of disc yeah. is he? So, no. Like He's oh, doing yeah. incredible. Yes. Yeah, very sure. Incredible. Mm -hmm. This year, I am blown away where I'm like, if he performed at this level all year, does is he not top 10 for sure? Like, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 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 I think, yeah, I he, think 100% he'll bust into the top 10 this year. Um, they were kind of saying it on coverage this past weekend where James Proctor has been a solid 10-20 player out in the uh, California, Washington, Oregon area, kind of going up and down the West Coast has been a solid player for a number and number of years. We've actually had him on the podcast before. If you want to get to know him a little bit more, check out that previous episode that we have done with him. Um, finally quit his full-time job to pursue touring full-time. And I think he's doing an incredible job. Third place at the Open in Austin, fourth place at the Texas State, sixth place at Music City Open, uh, where he was actually on the lead card for the second round. Las Vegas was a top 15. Um, his worst event actually is this past one, 32nd place at I think is probably the flukiest and hardest course that we've seen in a long time. Uh, we Can actually we haven't really talked for... too much about the course right now, yeah. but um, <laughs> I think for that being his worst finish uh, is pretty incredible. I, I think he's playing immaculate right now. Um, he's super fun to watch play and everything like that too. So yeah, top time by the end of the year. That's my take. All right, I got I got an analogy here. Uh, I think he's the next Matteo. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You I, know, I'm gonna call it a good thing. Like it's all it's all within yeah. reason. You know, um, that's another yeah, great I, take, Evan. Like the Berg for you was really good, and now you're saying the Matteo comparison. I'm going, yeah, dang, that's Matty another great comparison. 
See, I don't know if I agree with the first one, but I appreciate you agreeing with the second Kernsburg. one. But, Kernsburg. Yeah. But the thing with Proctor is like he made a name for himself years ago, then mm-hmm. kind of uh, backs, I would say backs off to kind of a local dominance. Um, it was, you know, coming on tour ever, ever so occasionally. And then now he's on and just being like, yeah, top 20s every week is easy, except for Blue Ridge, but uh, <laughs> top 20s every every week and looking uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he has yet looked like he's a winner, though, um, which uh, Matteo uh, last season did have a few events where he looked uh, better than just not a contender, but up there in top 10. Uh, but he did win Stafford Open in 2021. So he has mm-hmm. won on tour, just mm-hmm. not an elite or major. And he has been very very close leading within the back nine i i can't remember where but there was definitely an event where he was leading in the back nine um or at least in contention to win and just didn't close it out so mm-hmm. uh but i think it, it's a pretty fair comparison and i think proctor is going to be around in the top 20 and i i always say this in disc golf is uh like momentum is the most important thing from event to event if someone plays well they're probably going to play well again we don't see a ton of like roller coaster seasons for players it's usually uh yeah a couple top 20s here and then you slowly fall off and you're outside the top 20 or top 40 and then you're back in or you're in all year and and we see a lot of those trends and he's been having a good trend so i think it's going to continue yeah no definitely yeah and we um, this also kind of brings up what we interviewed him um mm-hmm. i'm trying to find which one that was real quick for you guys so if you wanted to go hear the interview it was oh way too long ago i can't even find it <laughs> i'll figure it out it what was, were you saying it, it was last year at some point yeah uh i'll look i'll look it up what, what yeah. were you gonna say nick Oh, I was going to say, this kind of brings up the topic, and we don't have to dive too far into it, but open bag concept. We're seeing Eric Oakley kind of playing with a couple different manufacturers. He's got Infinite Discs, Clash Discs, and Thought Space Athletics. Same thing with James Proctor. There's a lot of players. Drew Gibson has been notable for being you know, one of the kind of pioneers in a big open bag sponsorship. Um, so we're seeing that come into the sport right now. So curiosity when you have the freedom to throw whatever you want you kind of find the happy medium of what you really do like and you know stuff that you don't have to throw anymore so is that going to be kind of the next step in a lot of disc golfers i don't think the money will ever be the same from an open bag sponsorship as a disc manufacturer could give you but at the same time this potentially opens up you know avenues for players to shine a little bit more yeah all right well we got special breaking news everybody we're going to get to that topic in a minute. We're just welcoming right to the show because he's here right now, everybody. Gannon Burr. Gannon Burr. Gannon Burr. Quality actually looks decent. <laughs> okay, good. Hey, has anybody come up to you, Gannon, at any point since your interviews on the Nick and Matt show and went, Gannon Burr? <laughs> no, not, not yet. Not, not once yet. Dude. We're calling not to enough the people are watching world. the show. Do that to Gannon Burr. Just do that. Oh, gosh. I'm going to get a couple couple at least then, yeah. Dude, somebody messaged intern Ben this week out of nowhere. Just a voice audio message that said, Gannon Burr. That was it. You never met him before. So So dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry we started. So, Anyways, hey, we got you on for an interview. We need to talk. We need to talk actual interview while we have good service with you. Uh, Congratulations winning this past Silver Series event. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, going downhill again. We're doing this again. <laughs> Let's uh, go. Hope, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can hear me? Okay. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it felt, felt great. Uh, started off the tournament uh, 
okay with like a five down in round one, which is pretty pretty solid on the course. I was actually expecting to shoot like ten down. That was kind of my goal. But then you you get on the course and you realize you only have one shot per hole, obviously, and it, it kind of just you know every hole becomes more terrifying. I think there was twelve holes with the OBs inside circle one, and then. There was also five PDJ waiver rules that were uh, that got was they got the waiver for the event basically. So um, a lot of weird rules that you know is very common for like USDGC, and that's why it's not like a actual. Uh, I guess it's it's an XC or an XM tier. I guess is what it would yeah. be labeled as. But um, yeah, I, I think I had a really really good game plan. It, it played really well to my game. Uh, my putting was really good for the first time the entire season, which was awesome because I've been struggling with it the entire year so far. Um, obviously, like, I, I, I do have, like, really high standards of putting, but, like, I, I'd kind of been finishing, like, you know, 20th to, like, 40th place strokes gain putting. Um, and I, I lost Music City by two strokes, and I missed nine circle one punts. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been I've been throwing the disc better than I have my whole life. I I checked at least the throwing stat the stats for last weekend, and I was number one in tee to green, strokes gain tee to green. Uh, number one in circle one and circle two in regulation, first in birdie rate, and then I was second in putting. So everything worked together. The only thing that kind of held me back this last weekend was my OB rate. Uh, it's just it's almost impossible to not throw OB out there, and I, I had 14 OBs for the weekend. Um, but luckily, the other stats kind of made up for it. Mm-hmm. Some ranking systems have you number one in the world. Have you seen that? And what do you think about it? Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I guess we'll just go off what it says. That's like what I've been working for my whole life was to be, I guess, number one in the world. But I, I'd i still put Calvin number one myself. Um, I think a lot of people would too. Uh, obviously, the U-Disc rankings are – it's based off the dominance index. So uh, I guess they're more of like power rankings based on like week to week. Um, so with my – you know, when winning Austin, my third place at Music City, and then winning this with a pretty big field was pretty big for me. Um, so, uh, you know, three, uh, I got three out of my last four have been podiums or wins. So, uh, that, that feels good at least, but, uh, I, I, I'd say I, I'd be content with sitting number two or number three. I'd be just fine. If you win at WR Jackson, the champions cup, would you put yourself as number one not power rankings? Would you put yourself as number one? If you win that, I'd say it depends where it depends where Calvin finishes. If Calvin (laughs) gets like top, top five, probably not. Um, Champions Cup is a tournament. I'm like really trying to put my whole whole game, whole mind, whole body into just because I want to win that that at that course so bad because it's my favorite course in the world. And um, last year I, I was able to get a top five there, so I, I feel pretty comfortable there. Um, I guess I'm a little nervous in the woods because we haven't had really thick woods too much this year. Um, so that, that's always a little nerve wracking. As always, I just need to make sure my my confidence is up. I play a lot. I score a lot better in open courses compared to wooden courses. But if my throwing is on, I feel really good in the woods. Awesome. Uh, tell us a little bit, really quick. You had mentioned that the course that you just previously played on had a bunch of waiver signs, so that certain holes could mesh a certain way. From what I've heard, there was stroke and distance on hole 18, which is something that we don't see too much often right now. Tell us a little bit about the course. Did you like it for how it was? Would you have wanted to see things different? Just yeah, talk to us about the course since you were actually there. Yeah. yeah I still- yes. He's going down yeah. a hill, but we can hear him. Yeah. 
Oh, no, we lost them. Gannonburg, come back. <laughs> oh, no, we got them. Yeah, probably give me like one second. Give me... No, you're good. Oh, no. You're good. No, I think we got you. Can you hear us? <laughs> okay. I think I'm going back. I'm going back. <laughs> We're giving you a second. We're giving you a second yep. for sure. Someone said they thought uh, Gannon might be asleep after their long hike today. I don't know what this hike was, but. In, in, I don't know. Maybe they were on a long. Oh, hike. that's Rozak. Yeah. They're they're buddies. What's up, Rozak? Um. Also, I'll, I'll also I'll, go ahead. I'll Evan. say that you know I I can't predict oh, exactly how the rankings will turn out week to week. Uh, it'll depend after it's calculated. But if Gannon wins Champions Cup, I am pretty confident he'll be number one in the Stat Mando official rankings as well. Ooh. But I mean, the same goes to say for Ricky or if or if Calvin wins, he obviously will stay number one. But any of those will get it. Uh, so it'll be really interesting. I, I think if one of those three, we'll see some movement. All right, Gannon's got good service again. It's weird, Gannon, but we can act. Oh, now it's going red again. We'll see what happens. We can see what what his service is. <laughs> Gannon, can you hear us? Hello. Yes, hello. I can hear you guys. I've heard everything so far. Okay, great. Um, do you feel like Bradley? Okay. Do you feel like Bradley Williams played whole seventeen and eighteen correct from your perspective? <laughs> he obviously um, Gannon's dropping in and out here. First, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh god. No, this is awful. This is awful. But but if you get one more good uh, bar, sirs, if you're going up the hill again, we'll catch one more question. Right up the hill. This is becoming a staple right of okay. the Nick and Mash. Um, wait. I think I, Yeah. I, I think Bradley played incorrect probably for seventeen. I thought I for sure. And then I love how it works when he says it's not working. <laughs> I know. We hear it's not working, but everything else is patchy. This is unfortunate. I do not want to cut you loose if we got one more of those questions yeah. in there because that was an interesting one. I'd love to hear. Um, but it is staying in red bars for you. You must have like what, one bar of service? <laughs> I have two bars right two now. Bars. All right. Two bars. Oh, go oh, ahead and try to answer the question. Go orange. Go orange. Yeah. Go, no. go, go. Go, Gannon. Go. Okay. Okay. Uh, Bradley's gone for it. Uh, I was surprised to play 18. 18 is not a good hole. The OP rules too weird. Okay. This is what I heard. Bradley should have gone for it. He <laughs> missed up on 18, and 18 is a really stupid hole. That's more or less. What <laughs> Don't I heard. quote me on that, but I think that's moral. It's a bad story. hole, very bad hole. So we did get Gannon for a little bit there. Um, Ter I think terrible that disc is golf hole. Terrible um, disc golf hole. I mean, he said terrible disc golf hole. Yeah. Let's go. I'm just here for the drama, not that I'm necessarily agreeing. Ninety percent OB. Terrible, it's insane. Terrible hole. Terrible hole. Oh, we're hearing him okay. again. There we go. Yeah, Gannon, keep just talk fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Terrible disc golf hole. The whole 18 was terrible. The OB rules is super weird. And it, it should have just been if you're in the water, you're OB and you take it where you cross. But it was tiny. And I, my Airbnb was actually right on hole 18, like 100 feet from hole 18's basket. So I, I in the morning, I'd watch every Yikes. <laughs> All right. For what it's worth, I, feel I, th like, I think we got a lot of good like information talking, out of yeah. it. 
I feel like we're talking to one of the droids in Star Wars where they're just, you know, beep, beep, boop, beep, beep. And that's what we're getting out of the best player in the world right now. Well, it keeps fun. going up and down, and I don't yeah. want to cut you loose. Uh, but I think we got the information we are looking for. Is there anything? I, I don't think there's anything else. I keep seeing his service go red, so I don't want to make him sit through this. So we're going to cut you Tech loose, Gannon. We do appreciate you coming on as much as uh, it, it could happen. We appreciate that. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm sorry. The service is always so terrible. I just try to join. <laughs> all right. All good. all good. All right. Peace out. Peace out, Gannon, for everybody. Um, we got a um, few questions. Matt, biggest, yeah. Matt, text him really quick and just have him give us like a two-minute rundown of everything and so we can actually ha answer kind of the question. Ask him what, though? I'll text him, yeah. Yeah, just say... What did you think of the course besides whole eighteen? <laughs> he kind of he kind of answered what Bradley Williams's whole thing was, where he thinks he should have gone for it, and then eighteen's a terrible hole. Um, but I guess maybe the rest of the course, and just say you know what do you think? Just of the text rest of the me property? a paragraph. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, just get get the words of Gannon, but okay. just whatever it is, let him. You know, he's good at that. One of the things that I was reading online is that. Uh, course designing right now, I think is at such a weird point in disc golf because we're slowly migrating to golf courses because we need to kind of adhere to the fans and the spectators and everything like that. But it's also kind of killing the vibe of what disc golf is, at least for me personally, this is a personal opinion. Um, just watching these open bomber courses. Now this one was a little bit different. There were some bomber holes. I don't care for 500 foot par threes. And the way I'm going to kind of explain this is someone else had said it. And so I'm kind of going off of them, but it got me thinking where I was like, wow, that's actually a really good take on this. In disc golf, the average tour player probably throws consistently golf distance, 450 feet to 500 feet. I think that's an elite level distance. That's what players are able to do and accurately be able to do that. And let's just take a perfect condition day. No wind, no rain, no nothing. 500 feet is kind of at the peak of where consistently players are hitting that mark out in the pro tour. We are playing so many 500 foot par, uh, excuse me, par threes, 450 foot par threes. I've seen 515 foot par threes. We are literally playing holes where players are throwing their max distance. Now for a lot of people, they do not have that power in golf. Par threes are very hard holes because golf is a much harder sport than we have in disc golf. Driving the ball is a lot harder. Putting is immensely harder in the sport of golf than it is disc golf. But at the same time, we're, they aren't having these pro players play 300-yard par threes. And if they are, I'm assuming they're probably fairly downhill. But for the most part, you're seeing a lot of 160-yard to maybe 220, 240 at most. I'm not a super golf enthusiast, so my answer could be a little bit wrong in that. But I would say... For me, golf courses that I've gone out to, and I play the tips just for fun when I go out with friends because I'm paying money to play around. I'm going to play from the tips. If I feel like I'm slowing people up, I'll let them play through. I got no issue with that. But I'm never playing a 300-yard par 3, which is probably what the average PGA Tour professional is hitting nowadays. Let's say 290 to 320, some probably even further now at this point. Like I said, I'm not a super golf enthusiast. But at the same time, this is what we are doing in disc golf is we are requiring these par threes because our sport, a lot of people think is so much easier that we have to design it to be so hard. And what course designers are doing is just lengthening holes. They're not necessarily making the hole harder by shot shaping and 
you know, the direction that the hole goes, they're making it harder by just extending the basket 50 more feet so that people have circle two putts instead of circle one putts. So I think that's uh, what we saw a little bit there at um, the Blue Ridge course for this past tournament. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of quickly my take on that. Okay. He responded. Um, let me just, I'm typing one more thing while I, I, I read this. Okay. Um, I said, what do you think of the whole course in general? Um, do you think there needs to be changes for next year? OB thoughts. And he responded with great design, terrible OB, um, a terrible OB lines. So he didn't necessarily say there shouldn't be OB, but terrible OB lines and rules. And he followed it up with so much potential. Um, I said, yeah, this is my opinion. I know people didn't ask for it. I said, yeah, it looked great. And he said, beautiful course. One of my faves. Um, there you go. It so much when potential. Watching the coverage, yeah, when watching the coverage of the course, um, it was so dependent on the camera guy looking at the spotter or the commentator saying whether a shot was OB or not because mm -hmm. there were so many holes out there, especially the first round, where it was really hard to determine, you know, is that inbounds or out of bounds? I think one thing to take away from that is look at Fox Run. You have tall grass and white stakes that kind of outline mm -hmm. the OB versus the fairway. I think a course like they had just played on would have done great viewing pleasure-wise with having white stakes, red stakes, orange stakes, I don't care what you want to use, but having OB stakes so that the viewer and the player can have a better idea of their landing zone. I think a string in the ground or paint on grass that you're throwing a shot 450 feet or 400 feet, you know, you're supposed to have an idea because you're the professional player playing the course. But sometimes when you get up there, you're like, oh, yeah, I think that was good. I think I threw that well. And then all of a sudden you see the red, you know, the red flag come up. And I don't know. I think stakes would have been a lot better. Um, I also am of I think there should be distance markers to the basket. You know how they have in golf. There's 200 yard, 150 yard, 100 yard, 50 yard, whatever. Oh, there's probably more than that. But um, I think that would also be Let's something. I think having stakes to make the viewing uh, better for the players and the spectators would have been great. It's important. You look at the PGA again, yeah. masters were just on um, and they do the flight tracking or the shot. Um, what do they call it? Shot trace mm -hmm. immediately live because it wasn't as good for viewers. Be like, where's the, where's the ball? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the camera yeah. crews do great. But then I think over to baseball, Evan, which I know you're a big fan of, like now you can see if it's a strike or not. And I know the, the ump still has to call it. But like you can see it as a viewer, what feels like immediately, like yes, ball, strike, whatever. Um, it would be pretty great if they could incorporate some high tech OB system, which tells the person on on camera like that was OB, like as soon as it happened. Um, still needs to be a player's call, but we can make that experience better. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. What what mm -hmm. I do want to hop in and say is, you know, Nick, you mentioned tall grass. That's something I'd love to see on courses where we can't do a ton more to the land. Like like Fox Run, mm -hmm. I don't know how many trees that, you know, Smuggler's Notch is okay with them. Planting everywhere to really define a course, but they are okay with growing the grass out longer, shorter. Uh, some of these other courses, same deal. This course, as far as I know, it's a disc golf first property. And I understand that trees take time to grow, but I would really like to see a coordinated effort to make OB 
be more of natural will be in certain ways and you can still paint things but kind of get more of a buffer rough is mm-hmm. kind of what we're going for and we talked about this with steve dodge and simon mm-hmm. Lassat, so i don't want to go into it too deep but like christmas trees bushes like low-lying unthorned bushes i'll say uh on a lot of these holes would work so much better to have that be 10 20 feet wide and then have an ob line and the spectators are able to stand behind that can easily see over these small christmas trees or bushes but then there's you know it's not an inch to define a stroke or not it's an inch to define an easier shot or a harder shot that you have to then uh have more work to come back from but the course did have a lot of other good challenging aspects to it i mean the creek uh that's natural would be that's still painted lines and the painted line was a good chunk off the creek i kind of wish it was a little bit closer but i i am not going to argue that point the creek played a, a fantastic role throughout uh both courses it, it created some very beautiful holes but also a uh, good tough uh ob with it they also had some other holes where they um I think it's hole 14. They mentioned it was similar to hole one at USDGC, except a lot longer and a lot more downhill. But the idea was the same where they had um, a a cut up tree in the form of logs protecting the green. So that way you really had to get your disc to fly over this barrier, but then slow down and have the speed control to stop on the green. You couldn't roll it onto it. You couldn't have it land short and slide up to it. It blocked that. And I thought that was a fantastic move that they did. And that's a really simple move. I would love to see even more like that, where they can have more, let's say, downed trees and plant spots, or again, uh, trees and bushes. There's so much more they can do that with that this isn't winthrop they own the property here mm-hmm. i want to see them eventually go all out i understand everything's money i'm not going to get too too picky within the next year but uh, this place is beautiful i see the potential here i think five years like this is gonna be one of the best stops if they put in the effort and things like that and don't just accept that painted lines are okay because usdgc has painted lines it's one of the best events of the year so it is okay no it it is not the end goal okay we make it work at usdgc i want to see us go even better and better and better and when disc golf owns a property i want to see them go all out for disc golf first i can i can get behind that and by the way we dropped nick somehow so it's just you and me evan but uh i'm not sure where he went or what's up but (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna hold on to this so um so yeah Interesting. We could talk about that a lot more, but I'm going to let your comments ride there. I think those were great. I, I asked um, Gannon a few other questions. Um, <clears throat> I said directly, granted, not face-to-face in audio, but I said, are you staying with Prodigy for 2023? And then I said, this is live. <laughs> I wanted to be clear. Uh, and he said, and this isn't, I take this for what it is. Here's your soundbite. Working on an agreement should be done soon. Now, very strategic. I said, are you staying with Prodigy for 2023? And he said, working on an agreement should be done soon. So that is zero clue, staying or going. So now what are your percentages? Is he staying or going based off of that response, Evan? Wait, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, Yes, we can. Okay, dude, I literally was showing up on my screen. Like, I cut out for a second, but then I was back. I was listening to Evan talk, and I was just like, dude, I agree, but I'm curious how much money Winthrop has cost us over the years. And I'm like, (laughs) and then Matt just cut me off, and I'm like, I'm just typical (laughs) Matt. Just cut me off once again. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Anyways, it was funny when Matt was like, and Nick's not here. So, anyways, you're just saying something about a text message 
Oh, yeah. I asked him if he was oh. with Prodigy. Again, take this for what it's worth. But I said, are you staying with Prodigy for 2023? And he said, working on an agreement. It should be done soon. So that is neither one way or another. But I'm going to tell you right now, my numbers were going up. My numbers have now gone down drastically. If I was up to 70% that he was uh, staying, I am now dropping that down to 40%. It's way down. I, I think he's leaving, though. That's based really? off of that response. Based off of that response I just got. I figured when you heard the word <clears throat> agreement, like they're working on an agreement, that could have been like, hey, finish out the True. year and we'll give you $100,000 no more. 50-50. Like you know, maybe. You just convinced yeah. me that way, too. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I agree with Nick here. I think my, I don't want to say my number raises because I already felt like I was pretty high. I think it was about 70% yeah. that he stays with Prodigy mm -hmm. for the rest of the year. I, I think I'll stick with 70%, but I, I, I really, I think it's over 50% that he will stay with Prodigy for the rest of the year. This does sound, it seems like it'll be an agreement to, to yeah. ride out this year. Wow. I would be surprised if it's multi-year. All right. So then I should just stay with my season. take. You both convinced me to come back. I just jumped off the cliff. You're easily influenced. Stand your ground. You believe what you believe. Yeah. Dang. Exactly. He's Dang. staying. I think he's staying. Yeah. You're right. I just read into that one way or the other, but I feel like working but on an I, agreement should be done. The soon. word agreement that was why. a smart word by him. Yeah. Which one, A plus to to Gannon for that worded text message that makes mm -hmm. us think we're talking about him still we don't know what's happening and it makes his lawyers happy I would assume I'm not a lawyer so I don't know what makes lawyers happy uh but <laughs> funny <laughs> <laughs> Daniel what does what makes lawyers happy okay <laughs> money and winning okay here's money, the other yeah. question I asked him because I was like might as well just keep going he's got service the text all day how was the Zeus you were throwing I said, did it find a spot in your bag? You, you didn't use my style. No, he did. He did. It was too confusing, Evan. You even confused yourself. <laughs> yeah. And he said, ha, ha, haga. I think he meant ha, ha, ha. But ha, <laughs> 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 A typo. Ha, ha, ha. So based off of that response, this is a fun game. I feel like it was all a joke. <laughs> yeah. Joma's messed up. 100%. Yes. Someone someone said uh, Ezra was on his card that round as well, and that's was probably meant for Ezra's. And okay, you know this is just where people. I don't know. I did kind of notice this, but someone had said it online that the commentators were very keen on saying, "Oh, that's a twelve speed, or that's probably a nine mm -hmm. speed, or a seven speed driver." I think we're getting to the point in live commentary where disc manufacturers aren't going to get the free advertisement by saying, oh, that's a, you know, T-Bird 3 or that's Ricky's Felon or something like that. I think we're slowly going to get to that point to where we're not going to really know what discs people are throwing. It's just, hey, that's a nine-speed disc or that's an overstable fairway driver, potentially. It, it, I'm going to ask this question, and I'm phrasing this as a as an open discussion. I am uh, I noticed it with Brian Ahert and Nate Perkins, but there's also Juliana Corver on the call in the morning. Um, and I thought they did a phenomenal job. I stand behind them 100%. But I'm here for takes to to think about where things are going. If a, let's say, Innova sponsored player throws, you know, a nine-speed overstable fairway, Brian Earhart, paid by Discraft, and Nate Perkins, who just went over to... Uh, Clash? He went to Clash. Thank you. I okay. believe so. Yeah. He just I went to Clash. 
why would they want to say an Innova sponsored disc unless Innova is paying them? I don't know if it's a disc golf pro tour slash disc golf network choice, or if it's a commentator choice where let's think of someone like Ian Anderson, Mm -hmm. who, as far as I know, I don't think he's paid by any manufacturer. Um, I know other manufacturers have sponsored central coast in the past. Um, but right now when he goes to do a disc golf network thing, he just, he loves saying the disc. He's going to ask them ahead of time. If he, he loves saying any disc, if Ian <laughs> starts saying it's a nine speed, I will then think it's a disc golf network choice. But I yeah. would assume at this stage, I would assume Ian is still going to learn the disc and say the exact disc name. But I wouldn't be surprised again if, a, if it was a anyone certain... else besides you saying Ian learning the disc. I would say, yeah, I think that's great. But I've never heard someone call out the wrong disc so many times. That... <laughs> and oh, I'm not getting I, into that. Yeah, no, I I like Ian and all, and you know, anyways. But I... uh, yeah, he's. I think he's wrong. So reason reason I kind of bring this up as well is I think when the Zone OS was first coming out with Discraft, uh, Brian Earhart was talking about it in the press release. I think with Paul and. People were kind of up in arms talking about how Brian is supposed to be a non-biased commentator or interviewer, and he's bringing up kind of pushing Discraft, and so people are like, oh, yada, yada, yada. So I wonder if that's one of the reasons why maybe the Disc Golf Pro Tour or the Disc Golf Network had said, you know, hey, just try to say 9-speed or 12-speed. Just curious. I know a lot of other people, a lot of people in the chat right now are saying that they noticed that as well. So definitely something that be kind of looking forward to especially this week in georgia yeah i personally would love to have even the nine speed 10 speed 12 speed four speed like i'd rather hear a putter or a mid-range or a driver a high speed driver large rim driver like as opposed to even the numbers because the numbers as simon has said we he said this for years he said this in one of our first interviews with him years ago like what does it actually mean? Because everyone has something different. So just tell us, like, hey, this is their this is their go to driver for long turnover shots or something. You know, like give us more description in that way. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. Not to cut it off, but we're getting close to the end. And I did ask him one other question about the course, and I said, "Do you think the pars were good?" Um, just to tie up the co- course conversation, and he said, "Yes, I think it was a solid course, but some tune ups, and it could be elite." Um, the whole property has three courses and the FPO combined with MPO courses could be so cool. Uh, let me see. He said, beautiful course, so much potential. One of my favorites. That's the way he's describing this. This property, our visual eye test says that it looks amazing. We'll see if they take any feedback and, and change the course designer Duval. Um, I don't know how receptive he is to outside critique. I'm sure he has a team that he works with, but I don't think we've seen a lot change with USDGC over the years because of people's critiques. So we'll see. Interesting. Um, that was Gannon Burr's interview, both via text and live. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I have one more thing. Yeah, to, and then we got to do picks. Wrap for, up with the course. Yeah. Okay. The the last thing I want to say about the course is I thought they had some holes where they used a phenomenal uh I'm gonna say basket placement as a whole. A lot of some people did not like it, but I did like the rocks around the green forcing you to go to one side or the other. Hole one for MPO did a great job where I thought the left side uh was bad because it was harder to make a putt where the right side was better. Of course, there's a lot of OB with it too and yeah, I have some grievances there, but that's not the point. But I did think that was great. There was one, you know, FBO hole on the boulders course where you came up to it and the whole front side was open, but the back side was 
higher than the basket. I don't know how to, it was almost like a cave, uh, but not open like a cave. I, that, that Hopefully that makes sense. That sounds like it makes no sense. I'm sorry. Uh, they did a great <laughs> job with that. I thought that was fantastic. Um, they had some elevated baskets that I thought worked really well. The first hole in the FPO course, I thought was really good because if you landed on kind of the ideal landing zone in the circle on this hard par three, you, uh, you had a, I would say a normal elevated putt because you were all a little bit of an elevated ground but if you went past it you went down a hill and the basket was elevated on that lower ground so it played much harder if you went too far i thought things like that are fantastic but i did think there was a few other holes where it was just a little bit too high in my opinion i think hole 16 on the mpo course it just it looks odd to me. It's a totally different putt, and I don't think it's a good thing. The baskets aren't meant to catch uh, ten feet higher than you are, um, <laughs> and and this is this is an elite level course. I'm not going to complain about it for elite level, but in general, elevated baskets without any way to grab them. Uh, for a person who's shorter than six feet is not a good Bassman placement. I am tall and have long arms. It's not a complaint for me, but a complaint for other people. So when you see it on elite courses like this, it trickles down. You see your local courses want to do it to mimic these elite courses. And I, I, I've played numerous courses where you get up to a basket and you're like, hey, I can grab my disc out just barely. But I know if a kid, if a group of kids were playing by themselves, how are they going to get the disc out? They have to go find a stick around. Uh, mm-hmm. If people who are under five foot five, which there's a lot of them who play disc golf, it, a lot a lot of humans are not six feet tall. Um, I understand that. So we need to think about all the people who play disc golf and remember that elite courses do show other courses what they want to be like. And I think that's something where we can strive to have technical greens in other ways, which this course absolutely did. It's not like they weren't able to do that. And again, they own the property, so they can do a lot of things to make these greens tricky in other ways. Now, are you of favor, let's say, take hole two at Meadowbrook. It is an elevated basket. There's a pyramid going up to it. It's at a good happy medium to where it's not insanely elevated like we've seen in years past at different tournaments across the world. But um, it's also not just a pole in the ground in a super high elevated basket. It, yeah, that, that basket play is not my favorite, but it's not what I'm complaining about because, yes, you can yeah. go up and grab it. So, so as long as you can go up that, and reach that the is disc. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I want to drive the tractor though, and while someone's throwing the hole, like the baskets just move. Like okay, a golf cart guy. Are we here yet? I, to, to wrap it up, one more, wrap it one up. more thing. Of course, there's some, of there's course. some course. There's some course somewhere. I've just seen pictures of it posted random places where it's yeah. like a 20 foot high basket, and they have a spiral ladder going yeah. up to it, so you can't <laughs> technically walk up and grab it out. I'm never ever playing that course in my life. If I accidentally start playing that course, I think and I'll probably just that. walk off. And I, I, it's hole twelve or something. And then and I'll like, oh, read shoot, the review. Well, at least you got nine holes. Yeah, at least you got nine holes. Infamous disc golf review. Oh. if you live in Massachusetts, make sure you look for your Evans, course has been Evans, reviewed. Yeah, and and it's 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 probably pretty nasty. Let's just say. I don't think it's nasty. I. Let me let me say this. I want the best for every course ever, and I think sometimes you need a little, you know, pinch in the side to to get your course as best as possible. I say it how it is. Uh, you just reviews a lot of times can be like Google reviews. You play it, you uh, didn't die, so you put five stars and you move on. So uh, I like to say it how it is, and I don't want to be rude, but I understand I can come off pretty harsh a lot of the times, bro. 
I, I just do what you do on Udisc here on the Nick and Matt show. Like, it's just like <laughs> you do it on typing for reviews. I just have a podcast. All right. Can I just read a quick Evan Kearns review? Real oh quick. Boy. Oh, my goodness. Oh boy. I'm embarrassed. Two now. out of five stars. I'm not going to name the course, but old layout is still fun, but new holes are absolutely awful. Sorry. Too much OB, some odd lines, a basket, and sitting water, and way too much OB. Again, an AT is not a par three. Nope. <laughs> I, rem- I remember that. Sad to see this course turn into this. Feels like a backyard course of whoever designed this. Sorry for the negative words, but it's deserved, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I gotta think of what course of mass as a basket. Oh, you know what it is. Yeah. Like you found it after we played it. Okay. And you're like, who hurt you? Nobody yeah, who hurt you? <laughs> that's probably your Nobody you know. knows that course. I mean the course hurt me. That's who that's who hurt okay, me. Okay, all right. We'll talk about it in the after show. Yeah. Sign up for our Patreon to hear it. Just kidding, we don't have one. Anyone <laughs> um, local champions mass right now is like, is that my course? <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, no here, our picks. Our picks. I'll start Champions Cup picks. Yep, here we go. Little storyline. I just got to build it up. Dickerson is going to be in the mix. Paul, mm-hmm. Ricky, and Simon. They are going to be in the mix. I feel like Again. Dickerson um, may take second. Paul's going to be pushing either first or third, but Calvin's going to take it down first place. Um, FPO, it's going to be the same thing as last year. Oh, before I move on from MPO, there's going to be somebody in the first three rounds that's an outlier that you wouldn't have expected to be there. Okay. I'm just, I'm getting really detailed here. <laughs> Calvin wins it. FPO, it's going to be the same thing. Paige, uh, Kristen um, are going to be the contenders. I can't do the rest of the storyline there. I'd love to see Valerie Mandahano back that this week. If she is, then she's going to be top five, I think, with her first event back. But I'm picking, oh my goodness. I'm picking Kristen. A good pick. <laughs> I, I'm still thinking if one of you guys want to go. I did not prepare this. I, I just want to uh, <laughs> read a couple chats really quick. Ken Chapman stat, stat, said stat mean-do because you're mean. <laughs> and then Daniel Evan typed that review so hard he broke his phone. <laughs> Chad Mando. <laughs> it's probably a great course. He's just been, dude, these all have me dying right now. <laughs> That's funny. All right. I'll make some picks really quick, though, because... And- Hey, this course that I wrote the review on does have some fantastic holes, and that's why I'm harsh on it is because it could be one of the best. It could be top 10 course in mass. It has the potential. It has those, but then it just it goes the opposite direction, and it hurts me because I know it can be good. It's yeah. not like it. Uh, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I gotcha. Anyways, picks for this weekend. Gannonburg and Kevin Heinberg are easily playing the best in the world right now. Simon Lazat, though is such a great player and i think this course actually could very well suit his game he's got a brand new passion this year he's already gotten a lead series win um paul mcbeth not having the start to the season that he wants ricky wysocki kind of battling with some injuries ego mcmahon's at the event but i wouldn't pick him to win this one mm, this is tough because calvin's won an event here ricky paul they've all won events here in the past but i think Gannonburr. you caddying for simon or what division. No, everyone's been asking because, me, and uh, oh, they're not I'm picking not, him. I'm actually, yeah, exactly. Though, so, anyways, um, I love Gannon Burr out of my review. Yeah, I know. That's why I, I set you place. off and say Gannon Burr. Sixth, sixth place for Gannon. Yeah. Anyways, I'll say the reason why I'm not catting at the end when I do a shameless plug. But um, 
What did I say? I said Gannon Burr for the MPO side and then Kristen Tatar for the FPO side. All right. Evan. All right. It's that time. Well, I'll, I'll start off with I'm 100% going Kristen Tatar. Not that it's a guaranteed win by any means. I think it will be exciting, but it you can't play the odds and not pick her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I think definitely her now i'm trying to think of the mpo side and i'm going to drop a few stats just because it'll help me think and buy some time for me to then make my impromptu decision um but the last time the number one player in the world by stat Mando official rankings won a major when they were number one going into that uh major was paul Macbeth at 2019 worlds so we haven't seen it this mm. 2020s decade yet um so if I'm going on that, you know, maybe it can't be Calvin Heimberg. He also has never won a major, even though he has eight elite wins. Um, but then another one is in the last 10 years, every single U.S. No, actually, in the last 10 years, it's every single major um, has had a top seven player win it. The lowest ranked player to win a major was Greg Barsby at 2018 Worlds. And he was still the seventh ranked in the world at the time. Uh, so if you take the top seven, that goes down to Kyle Klein. Uh, Kyle Klein didn't have the best showing last year. So I think I'm going to knock him off, although he definitely could. He was in the mix last weekend. I don't think Chris Dickerson goes back to back. I kind of want to go Simon Lazat, even though we don't have Nick Carl in the bag. I'm really tempted. I don't want to go get tur- This tournament will determine whether I go full-time caddy or not. If he loses, I'm out on the road. See you later. <laughs> Won't be able to do the Nick and Macho anymore. Got a caddy for my boy. Uh, you don't caddy on Monday nights. I've stalled enough time. You've stalled. Uh, yeah, I am going to go Simon Lazat. Whoa. Big time. Okay. Um, Let's go. Intern Ben. All right. So... I, I don't have the stats. I have I have all gut and all heart. Gannon Burr. Uh no. It's gonna shock you. Matteo. No. Oh. Cat merch. Yes, cat, <laughs> yeah. please if you win. Um for MPO, I'm gonna go Isaac Robinson. Why? Whoa, big time. All all gut big all time. heart from my from my heart. I think it's gonna be Isaac Robinson. He's gonna flay the woods. And then for MP- FPO. I'm thinking um, Ella Hansen is my pick officially. Nice. Wow, TV that was a dark hey. horse, kind of. And then my dark yeah. horse is Paul Kranz. <laughs> True. Local. Let's go. Let's oh, go. that's right. Paul got an invite to this. Am World's yep. champ. Yeah. Good for him. Um, ben, let's do, let's do a quick bet right here. And I have let's a bet, Let's do too. something cheap. Let's do something cheap, like a one tortilla chip challenge or something. A one tortilla. Okay. Um, tortilla. <laughs> tortilla. Yeah, Salted. Maybe, maybe we'll seasoned. go crazy and go with lime. Dorito. Uh, Ezra Robinson beat Isaac Robinson at Champions Cup last year. I, I'm i going to say Ezra does it again. And Ezra beats Isaac Robinson. Okay. Since you picked Isaac Robinson to win, I'm going to guess you think he's going to beat Ezra. Yeah. So that's our bet right there. For like a tortilla chip. No, no, you're too afraid of the one chip challenge. I am very afraid. I will I not think we deny have that. To, I think we have to level up to the one chip challenge. Yeah, the one. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Doritos like nacho fire the or spicy, like yeah. the blue taquitos. No, not taquitos. What am I thinking? Uh, All right, how about just a uh, straight, up, the, straight up habanero pepper? Ranch. What are they? What are they habanero called? Pepper. Cool ranch. <laughs> the cool ranch. That's the cool spicy chip ones. for Nick. Cool yeah, ranch. Yeah. That's, yeah, right. that's, that's like, woo, woo. Just yeah, I love those. I'll go spicy Doritos nachos. No, no, that's, habanero that's pepper. Nope. All right. Guys, you're weak, Everyone better. besides Ben 
And he, he just wanted to be different, said Christian Tatar, including me. But I'm sitting here, and if I was to place a bet, I like to, you know, move it around and say, like, who maybe have more chance to make more money here. Kristen, we're saying his favorite. That's what Evan's saying. I heard stats. You got to bet with that. I, if this was Vegas odds, it would be like, like minus 180 or something like that. I don't really know. Like, I would probably still put money on Kristen. I'm changing my mind, mind to Paige Pierce. I'm changing it officially. That's smart. Paige Dang. Pierce. Give All right. Up. Let's go. Paige Pierce, Calvin be different. I can't believe it. I just, I don't know. All right. I don't know. She shows up, man. She does show up at these events. All right. That's it, guys. <laughs> um, we, we had a show. Yeah. Yeah. You ready I'm going to shameless plug why I'm not going to be caddying for yeah. Simon is because yeah. I am hosting a two-disc challenge in Virginia Beach. Ooh. So if you guys are in the area, check it out on Disc Golf Scene. Look up Nick Carl. It is $45 and rate. You get two discs and you get a clinic as well with it. We're going to play a really fun course out there. Just played a tournament there yesterday. It was a great time. Um, also, if you guys are looking for some sweet disc craft class, I go over to DiscuraDG.com. We're also releasing a Jonathan McBeth jersey. It's on pre-order right now. Check it out at DiscuraDG.com. Use code Nick and Matt for 10% off at DiscuraDG.com. And you can also get some sweet fundraiser discs for me, and it helps me out immensely. I appreciate you all. Thank you for tuning in to the episode tonight. We had Ganabur on for a little bit. We're going to try to get him on again sometime soon. But don't forget to like, comment, subscribe on the video. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Shout out to Hannah McBeth in the chat. Coming in hot at the end here. All heart. All heart for Ben. All heart, Hannah. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, Ben, you're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Gannon, thanks for joining. We will catch you next week to recap Champions Cup. Peace out, everybody. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.